Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 366. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And Connor is also here. I am, still. You got a full house this week. All three of us are here uh, for the third week of Night Terrors. We have many thoughts that will be shared across the duration My of the show. My first thought is it's only week three. Only five oh. to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this is a DC Comics podcast. We get together and we talk about the DC books we read this week. Coming up on this week's show, we have Night Terrors Superman issue one, Night Terrors Nightwing issue one, Night Terrors Wonder Woman issue one, Batman Superman World's Finest issue 17, Hot Girl issue one, Tales from the Titans issue one, uh, the Vigil issue three, and Connor's got a Patreon book, uh, so he'll be talking about Tim Drake, Robin, and he thinks it's issue nine, although he didn't sound I, too I, convinced. I did double check; it was okay. Not. All right, okay, okay. You know, because there was there was an incident where you almost skipped an issue a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we caught it. You know, luckily I could see it in your eyes that you'd made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And we, I did, and then I went and read the correct issue. And we got to the bottom of it, yes. But, uh, yeah, so welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, we also got a bunch of news, uh, some various things, uh, mostly from Comic-Con, which is ongoing. Uh, actually, kind of weird. I was doing some double-checking because I was really confused as to why the solicits weren't out yet, uh, but it seems like they're holding them back until after Comic-Con because maybe there's another thing or two to announce. I know a bunch so. of them have already leaked. I don't know if, if they've announced all of them yet. Well, there's at least know. a few new titles because they got panels today they got more panels tomorrow so it wouldn't surprise me if there's a couple other things but that's probably why they're later than usual this because because they could have been last week and they weren't so i'm like okay it'll be next week and then i was looking and i was like oh wait they're still not there like marvels is out images is out dc just seems to be waiting so i, I assume it's because of comic-con they're just they're holding back until everything's announced that they want to announce but yeah we got some news to talk about uh, some things to get into, but uh, I suppose I'll just start with some pleasantries. Matt, how how was your well your two weeks? Because you weren't here last week. How... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I will say I've been to Hell on Earth, and it's called Lake Cavasi, Arizona. Uh, no one ever needs to go there. Uh, it was hotter than here, and there's absolutely <laughs> nothing to do. So, yeah, you know, I I actually miss being on the show. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. You that's ever nice. think that you'd miss your job from a vacation, but here we are. I mean, I don't uh, like to... I wouldn't say you should think of this as a job. This should be something I mean, you're doing as fun, but, but yes. On, on weekends, I work overtime. This is definitely a job. So, because I got to be here at a certain time. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you, you missed the Danger Street, which was a shame. Yeah, uh, you know, they're, they're... didn't have to. You didn't have to talk about a bunch of shitty night terrors, though. So, no, well, one, or two, one or two were all right last week. It, the the I... Green Lantern one was rough, though. That was yeah. That, that's, none the of them were read, that's the only one I read from last week because it was the worst one. It was, it was the worst one. Yeah, but I don't. I, I don't think you missed anything in any others either. No, I will say also I enjoyed Doom Patrol from last week. Oh yeah, Doom Patrol. So was a, a real fun issue. Um, and what else? Danger Street was good. What else was out last week? Um, was last week Night Terrors one? Yeah, yeah, what, the one was yeah. last week. Yeah, which I did. I didn't mind that. I, yeah, I the main the Night main... Terrors book was all right last it's week. Fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I like the the ending. But of yeah, that. I, I've yet to read Flash, and judging from your guys's reactions, maybe let's just skip. Yeah. If I was to recommend anything from last week, I'd recommend the Shazam one. 
I did read that one. That one was okay. So I did read that one. Uh, yeah, so Mary Marvel, right? It's, yeah, it's been the, it yeah. was the best written one last week by far. No, I think the Zatanna one was probably the best of them all. It's still not like a must read by any means. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have it. Robot Man's on the cover, so there's going to be some bright spot there. Yeah. That said, though, none of the tie in issues have been anywhere remotely as entertaining as Batman yet. I'm not saying good. I'm saying it's entertaining. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. And I was hoping that Nightwing would be, and <laughs> more on that later, because... Joe, Joe said I had actually... I'm not getting into the book shit, but mm-hmm. both Superman and Nightwing this week both gave me like a, like a page early on that made me mm-hmm. think, oh, this might be all right. I like this one idea mm-hmm. early on. And then the rest of the issue just pummeled me into like oblivion. Uh, I'll be having very similar kind yeah. of like a roller coaster momentum through both I, of those issues later. I definitely promised that my my most enjoyed book this week wasn't did not have a, a night terrors. Oh yeah, that's yeah. something that's safe. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we all know you love Robin though, Connor, so like let's <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, yes, yeah, so hell hell on earth. I, I didn't get as nearly as much reading as I could because it was so hot it was uncomfortable to do anything. Mm. So it was a mm. lot of time spent in the pool and you really can't read you know, in the pool. Sounds you know. like the complete opposite weather to what we've had. Or at least... I've had rain. I've had a bit of rain, yeah. It's been a bit of rain. Yeah, no, we, we had thunderstorms and a slight bit of rain, but nothing. But no, I even like, skipped see, out on Thunderstorms my, my... is kind of... Okay, you know, we, we do, you do occasionally still get those, yeah. but like this has just been... You know, when you think of England rain, just, yeah. just that... Cons- it's not even torrential, just that consistent, miserable, mm-hmm. dull rain. That's all it's been all week. It, it was me, so weird for me. Let, let me like, let me ask you a question, Connor. Let me let me hit my conversion app right now. It's gonna be too hot, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So let's. Uh, would you take that or forty-three degrees Celsius? Oh, this. Oh yeah. Okay. Because I, I would gladly change for a, a light, miserable rain. In, I know. Um, compared uh, to the sun. I was uh my, my mum was here this weekend. She was talk, talking about my uh, so my my brother's in Canada at the minute. Smart. And they they went up to somewhere else in Canada. I don't know. They were visiting mm-hmm. family, and uh, all of a sudden, apparently, it was like high forties. And they went, "Yeah, let's just go back." <laughs> <laughs> do you do you know what part of Canada? Not a clue. Gotcha. Okay. Because when we were when we were there uh, last month. It was pretty warm too, and it's all, all I know is he's there. He's he, well, he was working as background actors in mm-hmm. stuff. Obviously, not right now. Yeah, because no one is. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then they they thought, well, we'll take a holiday oh, well, to somewhere I, else in Canada while I, while we can't do any work. Actually, not to be all correct to hear, mm-hmm. but uh, as a couple of A twenty four movies that are yeah. still going ahead. Because it turns out the A24 production, you know, that studio has nothing to do with the, the American the Motion Picture Guild thing. Yep. So they're exempt from all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, and, and because they're independent and they only spend X amount of money. Yeah, but didn't they already agree to all the terms? That's why they're allowed, like, the oh, unions sure. yeah, are yeah, like, yeah, carry yeah. on working well, with them. Given yes. that A24 are, like, seem to actually just want to make films as opposed to, you know, all the money. big studios. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they like money, but it, you know, yeah, they're... but that's not they're they're definitely an artistic first yeah. type company, you know. Um, so, all right, so okay, yeah. there's there's a handful of 
smaller indie studios making things. Uh, yeah, there's some right. exceptions, but it's that's probably yeah. not where his brother's working, though, right? Like, I'm sure he's speaking of temperatures, though. Uh, Universal cut the trees outside their yeah. studio location, um, right before like record high temperatures for a week, and that was well, like what was given the picket line. It, shade. it was great. Twitter was going on about tree law and then bird law, mm-hmm. and they got fined. Mm-hmm. A whopping $275. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Universal are going to be struggling after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that was the punishment. Yeah. Uh, and, and if anyone knows anything about that area, too, Universal gets unseasonably warm just by itself because of where it is in the hills. Mm. So on top of record heat, uh, that's just a dick move. It should have been at least per tree. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I know that's still not a lot by their standards, but, it, you know, it's, it's well, something. I, I mean... Yeah, it does not matter. I mean, now that I know, I'm just going to go to LA and start cutting trees and then just leaving $300 behind. Because right? <laughs> that's my only fine to cause some vandalism. Or you could just not cut trees. I just don't understand the joke. Look, that's a weird joke. To cut trees, <laughs> yeah. Who are you to stop him? Look, I'm just saying I might subscribe to the Ron Perlman uh, School of Negotiation. <laughs> that's all. So... If you want to be a lumberjack, Matt, go be a lumberjack. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll see you guys later. I bet you it's a lot cooler than where I am right now. (laughs) Uh, Depends what forester, I suppose. But no, it was was at 8 o'clock this morning. It was already in the triple digits Fahrenheit. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go eat breakfast and go grocery shopping. And I, I hate grocery shopping. So the fact that I agreed to go that's just how miserable the heat is today. So, hey, Connor, I'm sure it would melt. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds, sounds about right. No, no. Uh, so, very good. Uh, so I suppose I should ask Connor. Uh, how's your week? It's, it's been quiet. It's been, it's been rainy and miserable. I've been inside, and, and it's been nice. You still dressing like you're going on a cattle drive? Sure. Okay. Hmm. I made Connor start watching Smallville again this week, so that's how his week's going. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. You, you sound like uh, such a privilege. <laughs> I regret it immediately. Yep. <laughs> I, I I started watching, as uh, so I watched all of Jury Duty, which if you guys haven't watched, I recommend. Uh, I've heard especially, a lot of good buzz. Yeah. yeah, especially fans of The Office. So if you like, you know, the early seasons, it's very similar. I didn't realize the central premise of the one guy doesn't realize he's on a TV show. Yeah, it's, it, it'd be like if The Office so, had one character who thought yeah. he was literally just working at a paper company. In an office, right. Yeah. And so I, I didn't realize that. I thought it was just a, a jury duty version of something like The Office or Parks. or So we, you know, and then one of the ladies at work told me about it. So we, we ended up watching the whole thing in a sitting. And it's, it's very, very good. Um, so would recommend that versus Smallville. Yeah. And, and you're talking to a smallville apologist i i really enjoy i haven't gone back and watched it with adult eyes mind no. you but i i defend seasons two through five for the most part uh from memory from memory well, sometimes matt would be wise to keep your mouth shut <laughs> yep. Yep. uh dear no i uh I, I went to see mission impossible this week uh mm-hmm. that was uh, a solid enough time uh not perfect, the villain shit and those other things, but you know, it's all enough. Sounds like a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. Then. Um, 
Well, apparently, the like as those movies have been going on, I only just found this out. But apparently, mm-hmm. they were getting more improvisational with them. Uh, I assume not including the big action set pieces. Right. But apparently, this latest one was the most improvisational they've been, where they didn't have a finished script when they started shooting. And I think there's so many like villains, and I wasn't really sure which villains were working with what what for for certain amounts of time. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, this feels like a knock on effect from not having a script ready yeah. with all these details ironed out while you were shooting because it's it does feel messy in that respect however yeah. uh the the final like 25 minute set piece is more uncharted than anything that was in the uncharted movie so uh props to so it is this the that. train sequence the train you see sequence the yeah uh, okay so so uh, I, that was good i watched guardians 3 finally uh um mm? yeah uh which was yeah, it was Guardians three. Uh, you know, so had some emotional beats. Sounds like you didn't ugly cry like I did. So that's. I mean, good. I got a little more. It, it's it's one of these weird things where I care more about Guardians than most of the Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. So it landed a bit better, and it's definitely the most I've enjoyed one of their movies probably since Endgame. But at the same time, it has some of those like modern Marvel qualities, like like it, so. So they shot it on like red, right? And they had like mm-hmm. scenes that were different aspect ratio for IMAX and all that. And there was this weird thing where. It almost like made a lot of the like space sets look a lot more fake because the yeah. like the quality was too good. <laughs> it was kind of when weird. they're wearing all the they look like they're wearing the Among Us uh, suits, mm. right? That whole sequence with the super bright colors, I thought it looked like stuff that I've seen from early Doctor Who. Yeah, you know? it's just weird. It's got so... a weird quality. Like they're nowhere set um because mm-hmm. it looked like that in the christmas special they did as well yeah. but i thought that's just because oh that's the cheaper christmas <laughs> it's special a, it's a christmas. the only the only thing i've charm. seen is um oh what's his name flight not not superman mm-hmm. uh oh but, adam warlock yeah um i've seen people like posting the clip of him flying and being like oh man this guy's doing superman it's gonna look great and i watched the clip and i thought it looked really rough mm. so, i mean it, it's kind I of tough know. though too because his his color and stuff washes things out and it adds for a different I, I wouldn't take that as as anything. People people are reaching, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's really indicative of, of anything no. in particular. Um that said though, it was two and a half hours and I don't think it mm-hmm. needed to be. I think we have a no. problem these days with every blockbuster has to be, you know, a. two and a half to three hours and not so. all of them do. So I saw Barbie before I saw Oppenheimer, because Barbie was an hour fifty five. Oppenheimer's three. Yeah, but Oppenheimer's so. not on an action blockbuster though. Like I, I, I trust no. that Nolan probably justifies that length because yes. I know what yes, he's like. But a three-hour movie means that I have to give up four hours of my day to to go do, and that's that's a substantial chunk. Yeah, but that's gonna, but that's that's that, that, that's like just a broad like complaint. That's not like mm-hmm. talking about how movies are are abusing something these days. That's a little bit no, separate from think, that. Still think runtimes. I, I still think maybe. It might be too long. Three hours is a lot. Three hours is a lot, and I think if you're getting that length, you should have an intermission. Yes. All right, Boomer. <laughs> I, I agree. I like <laughs> the, the fact sorry. that people like I, I saw on TikTok someone saying like, "Oh, they they need an intermission or they need an app," and some guy's like, "Yeah, there's already an app. It's called Run P, and and it's been out for 13 years. You guys need to get on it, right?" So the fact that people are coming back around to this of like. We we need a break if the movie's going to be that long, you know. Just, uh, just want to get up and stretch your legs after yeah. an hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm with him. 
Like, I mean, I, I'm not that fussed about that. I can sit and watch a movie for three hours. Um, I, I'm more concerned when the movie feels bloated or the pacing suffers because it is longer than it should be. Uh, that, that's more my concern, but, you know. I mean, I've, I've definitely heard some people say that the, a certain three-hour movie this week could have lost an hour quite comfortably. Yeah, but... You've not seen Oppenheimer. Neither have I, I for the matter. But I've but I've no. seen multiple people say that, you know, pacing wise, I think it could have shaved off an hour. Okay, but you're arguing something based on other people here. This is a pointless debate. Uh, I'm That's sorry, is that response is not a thing I, anymore? Yeah. I, like if if you guys both went and saw Oppenheimer mm-hmm. and one of you was like, no, no, it's paced fine, and the other one was like, I don't know, you could have lost an hour. How is that any different? To me. They're both sources that aren't me seeing it yet. Because uh, you should trust us more? Because you know us, I guess? That's what I'm saying, but they could be someone that kind of didn't specifically say who it was. Yeah, some of them are people I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Pe- but inherently, people that Connor associates with, I don't trust that much. <laughs> Look, also, don't listen to what I'm saying, because if you gave me a three-hour cut of Kong versus Godzilla, I'm not going to complain. Right, like, I'm, I'm ironically, is is one of the sort of movies that should never be remotely that long. That, right. that that's but, a movie that should be ninety right. minutes. Right, a hundred percent. I agree. But like, look, uh, you know, you give me that or or three hours of Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and I'm gonna take the three hour cog. That's just me though. Like, taste is is everything. I mean, I thought that was too long as well. It'd be fair, but that's yeah. You know. Uh, it's all about how you use your runtime. Um, True, and 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 of course, I, I even after Dunkirk, I think I would trust. I would trust. I mean, uh, Dunkirk was pretty sharp. A little bit more. Yeah. Well, I just bad. mean, but this this subject matter, and then I didn't. That might have been his movie I've enjoyed the least. And I mean, know, yeah, it's it, my least favorite has by far, yeah. but, um, but like that movie's like a hundred minutes. It's not a long movie. Yeah. It felt long though. <laughs> but that's different though. We're not talking about. <laughs> Thanks, really. That, that's irrelevant to the conversation we're having. I don't think it is. We're talking about run times, Matt. Just, you can say yeah. that about any movie you don't like. Oh, it felt like five hours. Yeah, okay, it felt like five hours, but it's got to do with if the movies being too long. If you would have told me that Dunkirk was two and a half hours, I would have believed you. So I only saw it the one time in theaters. So I did not remember it was only 100 minutes. Oh, bloody hell. Uh, yeah, it's, it's only 100 minutes. I know that because I watched it recently. I watched all of... Okay. I watched all of Nolan's films, not does, including his Batman or sci-fi movies right. recently. Um, does does Dunkirk hold up on a second viewing? Is it any better? I like it in the first viewing. I, didn't, I felt the exact same the second time, so... Okay, so that's what I mean. So it doesn't, <laughs> like... You don't get anything more from well, seeing it a I second mean, time. I mean, technically that's holding up. It held up exactly okay. as I remembered. Pardon, pardon my phrasing. <laughs> Is it any better the second time it sounds like no for me no no okay i would not say so because that's that's one of the ones like i'd rather watch interstellar again than than dunkirk i understand it got and better it for me on a second viewing yeah so i, I legitimately liked it more the second time that one's one that i don't want to ruin the theater experience because i you know it was such a good theater experience i don't know if watching it at home would would color it a different way so um but yeah, so just let me know when one of you see Oppenheimer, because I'm going to try to fit it in after work later this week if I can. I'll be and... seeing it early in the week. Uh, yeah, if... I'm looking forward to it. Honestly, I, I, do... pro- I probably would have yeah. waited to see it yesterday, 
as well mm-hmm. as seeing it next week, except for when I went to check tickets, all the good seats were taken. Then I wasn't. Yeah. Uh... Well, that was. This is the first time. So when we were looking up the Barbie tickets, it was the first time that I've had f- issues. And we had to go to a theater we haven't been before. I honestly, so... uh, both Barbie and Oppenheimer at my uh-huh. local theater. Uh, all the evening showings were sold out for both, and I have not yeah. seen that for a movie that's, in a long yeah, time. I know um, James Tommy went to see Barbie the other day. He said he's not seen his local cinema that full in a long yeah. time. It's yep. it's it's so funny because like you know I've been talking to people probably even on the show uh, recently mm-hmm. about how underperforming the vast majority of movies have done this yep. year, and I think it's really funny that as soon as we get to you know, two movies that aren't sequels. Yeah, Barbie's based on something, but Barbie's never mm-hmm. had a big Hollywood movie before. And Oppenheimer's right. a standalone thing from a well-known director that people like. Mm-hmm. Immediately, there's this, like, weird buzz. And yeah, there's the memes, there's Barbenheimer, and there's all that. But, like... But, the, like, but even just... The num- yeah. Uh, just, he- even just the, the meme quality of that, though, just shows mm-hmm. that, yeah, people are excited enough to joke about it and, like, say, hey, I'm going to do a double I've... feature of both of these weird movies that shouldn't this go is, together. This is why, though, that movie studios can't trust meme marketing. Because right. you have, sometimes you have it like this where it pays off or the, uh, other times. The, 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 was it the, uh, the, the teens dressed in suits for the, the Minions movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. yeah. yeah. I'm right. not saying... And, and they, yeah. they turned up and sold tickets. Well, let me and make other it... times you have Morbius. Let me make it clear. Yeah. I'm not More saying either of these films are doing well because of that meme. I'm saying that that meme yeah. was an offshoot of how much hype and interest already surrounded both of these movies. Yeah, I do feel like it wouldn't have been the same if they weren't dropping on the same weekend, right? If Barbie was coming out. You know, I think they, a different weekend than Oppenheimer. I think they both probably do the same as what they're doing this weekend. Right, I, that's I, what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't think it's like necessarily inflating. I don't, I don't know. I I think that that meme marking actually has had an impact. Do you, think, I know people... do you, do you think a few people who were only going to see one are now seeing both? And that's mm-hmm. yes, that, I do. That's both. I do. <laughs> okay, well, hundred percent. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. Maybe it has, but, but... Like, I, I Barbie... know people at work, like a whole group of them, that planned a full day outing. To go and watch both the movies to do, and you know, to get double meal feature. in between. Like, what a yeah. weird. But I, I do think it says something that we're, we're you know, we're, we're at these, you know, these two movies that are relatively original. And again, Barbie's not a new IP per se. And I guess technically Oppenheimer isn't either because it's a, based on a, I mean, it's true a guy. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I mean? They're not like the, the seventh in a superhero franchise. They're not no. trying, they're not I, the seventh Transformers movie. They're not stupid budgets. Right. Well, Oppenheimer was well, pretty pricey, I think. But yeah, he, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't cheap, but it still wasn't anywhere yeah, near not, some of the superhero movies. Not inflated, as he's saying. I mean, it was two hundred million dollars, I think. But I mean, it's yeah. still less than some of these. Super- I mean, I know Indiana Jones was like three hundred and fifty million dollars, yeah. and that did so, not do well. Like Flash was like three hundred and something. Yeah, yeah. And Flash the- is going to go down as the biggest loss for Warner Brothers in their history. Yeah, right. Think about some that. of that. Yeah. Um, uh, absolutely laughable, it, and actually, because it's uh, going on streaming and stuff now, or like uh, digital on demand, uh, there's mm-hmm. high quality clips of the cameos and stuff. Well, I won't spoil them because yeah. obviously I don't want you to spoil things. Oh. But there's a very specific clip that you can now find on Twitter that's in high quality of all of the the bullshit, <laughs> and it looks uh, atrocious. I just I thought oh, I'm making the there. commitment that once it drops on Max, I'm watching it. So, um, <laughs> no, look, great, look, we'll try and tax rate it off. <laughs> look, like, look, 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 look to my look to my Twitter feed because I will be live tweeting that. Oh uh, dear, 100. Um, we should probably organize something. Well, actually, so uh, um, yeah. So anyway, I uh, you know movies. Oh, I just really quick. I want to drop. I can't remember if I heard it was 
Mission Impossible or Oppenheimer, mm -hmm. but because of the IMAX, one of them has because of the length, it's an eleven mile. Um, it's Oppenheimer. Okay, like that, it's yeah. an eleven mile IMAX reel that they had to make specialty. It doesn't fit on the plaz. Uh, yeah, so they had to. So theaters had to bring in specialty equipment to yeah. show it. Well, for the so, ones that. There's actually a really small percentage of IMAX that actually still show actual IMAX film. Right. Most of them have switched to just being digital and just project the digital right. version of it. But mm -hmm. yeah, for the for the ones that are still operating 11, as classic IMAX or eleven miles. Think about that. Well, that is wild. I feel like I don't have like context for like. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure it is wild, but I've never really talked about film and the the length mm -hmm. of the film reels before, so I don't really have like an, yeah, enough the film context. Reel didn't to... film the plan. That that tells you it's. It's huge, right? Yeah. Tells well, you, that, tells you it, no one's got a big appetite. That's what that tells you. For sure. Like, if, like, just think what, what 10 miles, it, like, I only work four miles from my job, and it takes me mm. 10 minutes to drive there. So now times that by two plus, and, like, that's just the length of the film in one direction. That's just, it's crazy to me. Sure. Just when you think of stuff in that scale. But so. again, if you've got a ball of string and you unravel all in a straight line, mm -hmm. how long is that? I mean, it's not 10 miles, but it's a lot longer no. than... Depends yeah. how long the string is, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what, what a diplomatic answer from the ginger cretin over oh, here. Oh, I just, you, you I just, ju I just jumped into a Ricky Gervais episode of An Idiot Abroad, because that was something that Carl would have said. Okay. Oh, well, okay, how about, how about this? A ball of string about the size of your fish, right? If you unravel yeah. that, that'll probably... How thick's the string? Oh, piss off. <laughs> oh, man. This is how, much, how excited we are to talk about uh, my turn. We, are, we haven't hit Comixology Top 10 yet. We haven't talked about any news that came out of Comic-Con. Wait, what's we that, Matt? Just, you, want, you want the Comixology uh, Top 10? Is that what I, I just I do had? just to get it done. That's all right. All. Well, let's do it. Comixology Top 10. Eating your vegetables 10. before your dessert. <laughs> all right we're looking at tuesday's dc comics releases as per comicsology mm -hmm. uh as of right now uh any guesses to what the first selling comic is um connor do you have a guess i think there's a possibility that it's hot girl i saw a lot of okay. hype for that on my twitter mm -hmm. okay I'll, I'll say world's finest to go with the wade factor oh well one of you's right Ooh. i'll say that much Okay. Would you care to place a wager on this that will make one it's of you... It's comic top 10. I don't think either of us actually care that much. ...be punished? I'm, t I'm just saying, uh, maybe... I don't know. What could, what could Connor's forfeit be, Matt? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's already Connor. How worse could it get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, World's Finest is number one, uh, and then number two is Hot Girl. So that, that is go. the one and two. Uh, so yeah, the, 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 that's probably good for a, a, a mini series for, and, and people do like Hot Girl, but I feel like it's a mm. character who I expect. I, do you know what? I'll say this: I I think if it wasn't a bunch of Night Terrors tie-ins that were a lot mm -hmm. of DC's books this week, I don't think it would be number two. I think it would maybe be about it, six or seven. It probably wouldn't have sold more than the normal Nightwing. It wouldn't have sold yeah. more than yeah. the normal. Um, um, th there's a possibility it might have sold more than Superman or Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman, yeah, Wonder Woman's not been doing that well recently. No. Um. Uh, I'd expect it to some of them. Yeah, but I bet lower down uh, for sure. So I, I think it's almost like given it, it's just, it feels more important almost than a lot of these other books this week. And, you know, we'll get into the book later, but it does feel like it's actually got something to say, which is uh, always a good start. Uh, number three is Night Terror's Superman. Number four is Night Terror's Nightwing. 
Uh, number five is Tales of the Titans issue one. That's a, that was a little surprising to me to see that uh, mm-hmm. as high as it is. Uh, so that's cool. Number six is Wonder Woman Night Terrors. Number seven is Batman White Knight Presents Generation Joker. It's <laughs> a long title. Uh, still, still going. Number eight is Night Terrors Catwoman. Number nine is Night Terrors Punchline. And number 10 is The Vigil. Uh, I do wish The Vigil was out selling some of those Night Terrors books, but. I do as yeah. well. Here but, we are. Like I said, it's, it's only a six issue mini, right? I, I yeah. don't think. It'll be fine. We probably won't get any more of it, unfortunately. That's just, I don't think it's going to get extended. However, I do see those characters popping back up in certain things. So I mean, especially with. Uh, well, we're not at the news we'll, yet. We'll shut up! There. Shut your shut yeah, your filthy we'll ginger mouth. All right. <laughs> or I'll break your freaking legs. Sorry for being relevant. Yeah. You will never be relevant. Mark my words. <laughs> That's that's oh, a hell of a threat. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not going to be here next week. I need to be extra mean yeah. to get out of my system. Oh no, I'm going to miss some Night Terrors books. What a shame. Uh, <laughs> Alright, let's look at Wednesday. Uh, what do you think the number one selling book from Wednesday is as of right now? Mm, X-Men Red. Oh, Matt's right. You got it in one. There you go. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Red. Uh, the first X book I saw. Yeah, number two is Big Game Issue 1, which is a Mark Miller book. So, there's that. Oh, boy. Uh, Some, uh, uh. Uh, uh, number three is Blade Issue 1, which is notably by Brian Hill. Uh, obviously, he was at DC. Hey. Hey. Again. Yeah. I did not realize that was out. Oh, and Casa Grande on art, so it probably looks great. Mm. Yeah. Uh, number four, we're back to non-Marvel. Nice mixture this week. We got Void Rivals Issue 2 by Robert Kirkman. Okay. Uh, number five is Moon Knight City of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, one, yeah. yeah, number six is Guardians of the Galaxy. Number seven, we're back to non Marvel with Power Rangers Unlimited. So that's neat. There's a nice mix of like non Marvel stuff in the top well, 10. This is uh, uh, judging off of the, the League of Comic Geeks, mm-hmm. this one's all over the place. So, yeah, uh, number eight is New Mutants Lethal Legion. Uh, number nine is something is killing the children. So yeah, back to some non-Marvel for that. And then number ten is Black Panther issue two. So yeah, v- very mixed top ten there. Mm-hmm. I was like, what four out of ten were non-Marvel. Mm-hmm. So very good. Uh, very always good. happy to see it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, no, not not much to add there. Uh, really interesting. So there's a couple of fairly big non-Marvel books that didn't make it in as well. So it's interesting the ones that did. Um, yeah. I don't think like Void Rivals is too much of a surprise um, just because Kirkman sells, obviously. Um, but something like uh, A Vicious Circle, I thought maybe that could have snuck in or the uh, there's a new Star Trek book that started this week. Like, interesting. Um Scrapper, which is a, a new book from Cliff Blazinski of uh, you know, made all the Gears of War games. Uh, Cliffy like, B. Some, um... no, some, no, some notable like titles that are still out <laughs> this week that didn't show up. I'm glad you said Gears of War because in my head, I think I mixed them up with Randy Pitch for there for a second and I went, I that Borderlands douchebag. <laughs> and it's Oof, not him. That, that, no, not him. <laughs> yeah, that Borderlands movie apparently is in development hell. Like, this definitely shouldn't like two years ago and they're. Try to patch it together in post for a next year release. Anywho, that's Comic Solid's top 10, everyone. So hopefully you uh, enjoyed that. Um, 
So we'll start off news-wise. I'm going to skip to the movie stuff first, then we'll get to the comics, just because we were talking about movies and box office before. I just think it's mm-hmm. a natural lead-in into this stuff. Uh, so two things, really, here that I, I thought were worth mentioning. Um, uh, so a couple things about Aquaman 2, right? Not that we're that excited or care about it, but they're both interesting from an, an analysis point of view. Until um, this news came out this week, I forgot it existed as a movie. <laughs> that is a very valid point to bring up. Um, so... Number one is that it might get delayed, not because of anything to do with that, but it's just a case of the studios maybe delaying things that they've got planned for later in the year to spread them out if the strike is going to delay a bunch of productions for mm-hmm. later. So they're going yeah, to try the and... highest profile one was, was Dune. Yeah. So they're going to try and maybe, possibly, they're not officially done it yet, but they might spread out what they've got uh, you know, available to actually release Which further out. Tells me they're expecting this to go on a while. Uh, it does tell me that. Um, but... Uh, the other thing here that I thought was more interesting to talk about, and this just shows you how messy this uh, the DC movies have been behind the scenes and like all the changes that have been happening. So there's been talk in the past, and we kind of knew this to an extent, that there was scenes of both Ben Affleck's Batman in Aquaman 2, but also cameos from Michael Keaton's Batman. And the way this worked out is that originally this was coming out... Um, after, and it still is obviously, uh, this was coming out after The Flash reset the timeline, and technically Michael Keaton's Batman was supposed to be the Batman remaining for the universe, right? And that was also going to be in Batgirl, right? Which obviously never came out. So they had cameos in Aquaman 2 from Michael Keaton playing Batman. And then things got delayed and shuffled around, and all of a sudden, at one point, Aquaman 2 was scheduled for before The Flash. So they took out all the Michael Keaton scenes and filmed scenes with Ben Affleck's Batman <laughs> in their stead. And they've taken all those out now because obviously we're post-Flash again. Now they've not put the Michael Keaton scenes back in because now the thinking is is that there's no point in like doing cameos and connections that seem like they're building up to something when it's dead, Jim. We're, we're starting again with Superman legacy. The fact that they can just remove the scenes and it have no impact whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> tells me a lot about the uh, the importance and relevance yeah. of these scenes to the, the overall movie. There was new reshoots that maybe were patching up things that maybe it did affect, but yeah, it's possible that they just took them out and it didn't really matter that much. But uh, I just thought that was interesting from a, like a messy... As- Standpoint. Uh, someone not a fan of that. Uh, less bass, less Batfleck, the better. So you know. Some things where I don't think he's a bad actor or a bad Batman. You know, in terms of his acting. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Just I don't like but, that version of the character. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing here, uh, and this is this, I feel kind of bad for it. Like I, with Flash, I was like rooting for its failure almost, basically yeah. because of it. Because, <laughs> You know, because everything, yeah, everything around it, like there was a lot of reasons to be written against it. Uh, so it feels like just desserts that it's going to be like the biggest bomb Warner Brothers has had in a long time, <laughs> if not maybe ever. Um, but sadly, this is sort of like leading into Blue Beetle, which is currently tracking for, mm-hmm. and I had to like, I did a double take when I saw this, it's tracking between 12 and 17 million for its opening weekend, which is horrific that's not it's not a blockbuster that's uh that's a, that's like that would be good for like your you know five million dollar costing horror movie that you're putting out you'd be like oh yeah, yeah nice little 17 million weekend that's quite good 
uh, for mm-hmm. a superhero movie that cost... I mean, this wasn't as expensive as some of these other ones, but I still think this cost upwards of $100 million. So yeah. this is this is pretty bad for uh, Jaime. A, a budget for it? I don't know if we do. I, I'm just, but I, 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 I want to say I saw that it cost like Google 100. is say there's a reported budget of 120. Yeah, okay. That sounds about right. Yeah. So... Well, that's a shame, because that's the most hopeful I've been after trailers. It has been for those Blue Beetle really? trailers, because it looks... Well, it looks fun. It looks like, you know, you know, a matinee on a Saturday, you know, tight, mm. tight movie. So... It's just, it's just that weird thing where they're trying to launch a character that most people won't know. Uh, which you can do when you've built up trust, but if the one thing that the DC movies have done over the last, you know, decade at this point is that they have mm-hmm. eroded trust with the general audience as far as quality and, like, you know, confidence goes. You know, oh, we're building up to something, we've got a plan. No, you don't. The plan's changed like every other movie, basically. Yeah, that's what my, my brother pointed out when we got the trailer last night. He's like, well, wait, so is this going to matter in the long run with James Gunn? I was like, I probably not i mean james gunn's been saying that it will and he's technically going to be in the new universe but i've got a funny feeling that when the movie bombs that that will quickly just disappear and you may not ever see him again yeah maybe james gunn has done things before you know what i mean like who knows we we build up to justice league and Jaime's there i wouldn't be you know wouldn't be that surprised but yeah, oh, it does I mean, feel a bit superf- superfluous. I mean, maybe they'll yeah give him like a, a effectively a cameo in the background or something. <laughs> but I doubt you'll get another solo Blue Beetle movie uh, yeah, with this no. performance. Well, and then also, if you're telling me we're going to be getting a Blue Beetle movie to begin with, I'd be like, wait, what? You know, it, so... it was always a weird choice. Not because it, I don't think mm-hmm. it should exist. It's actually great yeah. that a character like Kaimi can get a movie. Mm-hmm. But it was a weird choice because like you've not it, nailed any of the major characters yet, and you're. You're yeah. jumping to, you know... It's very Beetle. unlikely. Yeah. You know? So, I, I guess the hope is that you're going to, like, have, like, sort of an Iron Man-style hit where it kind of... Mm-hmm. Oh, we took someone that no one really knew yeah. and we're going to turn them but, into a star, but... I, I really do think there's superhero fatigue out there. That, well, that's the other problem, the, yeah, is yeah. that yeah. at this point, people see a trailer for something like Blue Beetle and they go, I've seen a yeah. hundred superhero movies in the last decade. They, I'm done. And they, they tune out. You and know? I don't know, as a result of that, how well... Is the new Superman movie's going to do? I don't think it'll do that great. I mean, judge. Where you go, Matt? Go no, I was going to say, just judging by the time that it's going to take for it to come out, especially with with all the strike stuff. The more time between, yeah, like Aquaman two and Superman Legacy, the yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah. I think I think just having a little break into things and you know, if it had uh, come out, what was it meant to come out next year? I think twenty twenty five. Twenty five, right? Okay. So. Yeah, well, if it had come out then <laughs> it was going to come out in yeah. I, I, I just didn't see it doing that well. Despite being a new star, despite that they'll mark it as mm-hmm. you know James Gunn, you know creator of you know the the, the yeah. Guardians movies, they'll 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 flash that everywhere. Mm-hmm. I just still don't see how many people are going to actively care. even if it looks good. I just I would be uh, be surprised if people really show up for. Well, what what I do like is there seems to be a lot of praise for that Superman cartoon that's going I've watched the first two episodes it's really good right so I I do think that people's you know they'll they'll take stuff in smaller doses so yeah maybe it it, there just needs to be a break in in all of this stuff I think think it's an uphill battle for the the fatigue reasons which Mm -hmm. which you know honestly someone who's had the fatigue of these movies for probably (laughs) a a while now (laughs) 
We get it, Pete. You were right. fatigued before everybody. No, no, I'm not trying to say that, though. I, I'm saying that I'm happy that, like, like, I want the studios to realize that they're 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 overstretching it because I want them to yeah. change course. I want them to start doing different things. So I'm happy that the greater like populace is responding with not going to these movies as much because yeah. it's it's them going, oh shit, we have to actually do something. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Disney's even feeling it as well this year. Like you know, Guardians did all right, but the other stuff didn't do it's that well. And fizzled. Yeah. I don't know if Marvels is going to you know do spectacular it's probably going to be similar oh. to ant-man i imagine maybe a bit so better. weird how they dropped the trailer it was just like 9 p.m on a thursday <laughs> along yeah <laughs> along with the the mcdonald's branding that was meant to come out when the movie did yeah you know? it's so it's just it's, it's wild that you know them milking the same cash cow over and over again like it it took longer than i think i thought it would for it to like hit this bubble bursting but it definitely did get there eventually, and it's inevitable. I mean, they did it in record time with Star. I couldn't believe how quickly Disney made Star Wars a brand that wasn't a surefire success anymore, because mm-hmm. it felt like that was impossible when it was first coming back. That, yeah, for the general public, but I still get way too much Star Wars information than I need right now. I mean, oh yeah, but so, you're paying attention. I'm saying yeah, yeah. the fact that Solo came out and was did lukewarm right compared to like yeah. what star wars movies felt like they should be making every time just based on how big mm-hmm. of a brand it was it's like no you can devalue I your brands that, you can do that particular is such a weird one because yeah, if they hadn't doubled the budget by reshooting everything can you know it's, it's it been borderline fine. starting over with a different director halfway through production they probably would have been a perfect not huge number i'm not saying it would have like you know broke the bank but it would have been profitable still it would have been profitable but it would have still been a huge step down from all of the other ones yeah. up until that point you know because yeah. even rogue one i mean rogue one did better than um mm-hmm. like rise of skywalker right i would say i think yeah. so yeah. Rogue one was still a pretty huge success yeah um so it was definitely this it was i mean i don't know if it's exactly linear but in my mind it seems like it was fairly linear where force awakens was this huge mammoth numbers and then it was just gradually going down yeah. after that yeah, like, I think I think I remember saying at the time none of them were ever going to match Force Awakens. I didn't expect them to because that had all that time, the expectations, the weight of the return. I I know people expect numbers to go up over a, a trilogy, but I think that one had because it didn't start as a nothing entity. You know, it wasn't like oh well, we're going to start from scratch with this movie. It was always uh, that mm-hmm. one had the the expectations and we'll go down from there yeah and i think you combine that with a lot of these movies not so much the dc ones this is more of a marvel thing but they, they've all kind of like homogenized into the same look mm-hmm. over time and they've all got like really I, simple direction you know that's yeah, definitely not helping either because they're, they're all feeling kind of stale you know because i don't go opening day anymore and so i remember having to dodge spoilers for stuff and now it just seems that a Marvel movie comes out, I don't have to worry. Yeah, because no one's talking about it anymore. <laughs> there's, there's like not a lot of buzz on stuff, so it's same with the shows. Like is I haven't seen Secret Invasion over yet. No, there's know. still two episodes left. Um, two? Yeah, <laughs> I think um, I haven't started it yet. So, but I also haven't heard anybody talk about it. No. So, but, but gonna, I, honestly, Disney Plus, uh, those shows really have like devalued like a lot of those mm-hmm. brands because they've. they've Marvel in particular, because they made it like feel like there was something coming out constantly, so it made each one feel less special and more yeah. like homework. Yeah, I think with the uh, the Star Wars ones, I think people were 
still generally talking about those shows every week because let's say they're not quite as constant i was gonna say it probably helped as well that the movies were kind of done by the time the shows yeah. were really going full it, swing. it feels like they shifted the attention to the tv yeah. side yeah. of things versus movies but like i the buzz that came off of ahsoka that was the first time where i had to like oh there's star wars buzz again off of that trailer that yeah dropped. that's like when next month yeah so you know and that might just be because ahsoka is one of my characters right and i'd be i'm a little bit but seeing the amount of talk around that trailer, like the, the last, the last live action Star Wars show was was the last season of Mando, right? Mm-hmm. And that was months ago at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it definitely has felt like there's been a a pretty significant break between you know seasons yeah. of live action Star Wars. And I, I mm-hmm. think on that sub to swing this back around to DC's problem is mm-hmm. I don't know when the last time was that there was like. Not just for me personally, but in general, a feeling of buzz for a DC movie coming out. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I was pretty hopeful for Matt Reeves' Batman because it's Matt Reeves, and mm-hmm. I, I ended up really liking the movie. But I wouldn't say there was this like buzz and excitement and hype of like a big event movie coming out. And I yeah. like the last time that was probably true was maybe. Like, even though obviously I ended up hating the movie, like it might oh. have been there for Batman v Superman, I guess. Yeah. I remember that it was palpable because I, I got into an argument with a friend because I'd, I'd heard bad things about it. So I just went by myself. I was like, I'm just going to go pull the Band-Aid off, right? And I just remember there was palpable buzz around it still. You know, people talking about it in line for popcorn. and, and I, I don't I know if it's just that my, my circles, but I definitely felt a lot of buzz around Birds of Prey when that was coming out. That feels like your circles. That that feels like a circles thing to me. Yeah. Um, well, that's I, I remember there being a lot of talk, but it was always it was definitely all uh, people I, I'm aware of. And you know, it's just it's a weird thing to try and like quantify because yeah, like different circles will feel different things. And there's definitely obviously a hardcore Snyder fan base that we're feeling hype for everything up until a certain point, but. It, yeah. it's just i don't know like there's this sort of like but i know i know what you're talking about it's it's the general population type thing that we're like like when i would wear a star wars shirt and people would be like oh man did you catch mando or whatever mm. it would have nothing to do with mando but it was just they wanted to talk star wars right or any type of dc shirt they would have, i haven't felt that in a while no know? i i mean i i was like the hype for me for both dark knight and dark knight rises was like through mm-hmm. the roof like it was unimaginable like just how like excited i was before those movies came God, out right and so that we're we're just past the anniversary of dark knight rises because i saw on on my social medias like going it was this week because it came out yeah. on my birthday uh okay. no that was just dark night it was dark 11 rises. years yeah rises will be 11 years this year so like, dark night will be 15 15 yeah so that, that's the one yeah. that feels that, way, that was like 15 this week yeah yeah so like i just the dark knight rises was like looking back over at some old posts about like just the sheer amount of oh my god the dark knight rises is out you know and trying to find tickets to go see it in imax again you know and the amusing thing is, is that here, here we are and like you know one of the movies that's actually got buzz this year is another mm-hmm. nolan movie and the superhero yeah. movies are all kind of just you know they're thundering around mm-hmm. <laughs> uh not feeling yeah. particularly special it's 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 yeah it's wild. I, it's, it's just. I mean, it all comes back to just the studios like going too hard on one thing, mm-hmm. and you know, leaning too hard on that. And I always, I always remember arguing with with certain people. Like, there's just like there's too much Star Wars and there's too much superheroes, and people are like, yeah, but that's what we want. And that always reminded me of a kid that just wants to eat ice cream for dinner. Like, honestly, yeah, 
the bit the best exact and this maybe tie into more nostalgia stuff than it is specifically yeah. this type of thing but i think it applies to this too but mm-hmm. best thing i saw ever was someone screenshotted a moment from later in ghostbusters afterlife with all the mm-hmm. you know, the old ghostbusters back in uniform mm-hmm. and the caption kind of forgot that movie existed <laughs> yeah the caption just read there's such a thing as too much dessert and that is yeah. You know, that's what it is. Oh, and that's and that's what it felt like. Is it sounded like the kid that wants just ice cream for dinner, and you're like, you don't want to do that. Like, you, ice cream's good every once in a while, you know, but like eating a big old, you know, it's kitchen like the, sink. It's like the stories of the the parents who ca- catch the kids smoking, and they're like, right, yeah. you, you think you want to smoke? Here you go, right. have this whole pack right now. Yeah, and then they and that, that's where I felt. Everyone was like, no, you're crazy. Just be happy for what you. I'm like, I don't know, man. I I like having these to like look forward to and getting that buzz and you know i don't know like again with marvel i, I feel like i was always the more pro marvel here on the show right but comes the movies End- yeah yeah like since endgame i think love and thunder was the most i got excited for something but that's just because i love thor like there's just it doesn't have the same buzz even for me or even even my wife who you know gets more excited about that stuff Honestly, more like, a, after endgame they should have taken a like a proper break mm-hmm. and they kind of ended right. up doing that because of the pandemic but it should have been longer it, yeah. they should have let people miss superhero yeah. movies for five years and yeah and certain characters i think they could have like, got away with it if they'd had movies that were none of the avengers like yeah. not related to them at all coming out like, and only that, like no Thor, like no nothing, even like like. But most of them uh, weren't though, right? Because like, he had Black Widow, he had Shang Chi, he had um, Shang Chi Like even going up to this year, like like this entire point up till now, like it should have been like five years of no Avengers character, no no Captain Marvels, no Ant Man's, no Black Widows, mm. no Thors, none of those. It should have been all just completely different stuff and just essentially start from scratch. Yeah, but yeah. So, um, you just remind me of Eternals existing. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I always forget that that was a movie that was out. Yeah, because I, I uh, look super excited now for uh, one of my most anticipated for next year, which has finished shooting, so it might come out next mm-hmm. year, uh, is the new Alien by Fede Alvarez, who did the Evil Dead mm-hmm. 2013 uh, movie. And part of that's because I love Alien, but more so it's because I like Fede Alvarez and I like his movies. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pumped for that. Partly oh. because I just got a good Predator movie for the first time since, yeah. you know... Well, and there's there's been enough time between the second Prometheus uh, and... The second and Prometheus. Yes. I forgot the name of it, that's why. You could have uh, just said the last Alien movie. <laughs> yeah, but like, what? But to me it was more of a sequel than... It's Alien Covenant, Matt. Uh, there but, you go, Covenant. I forgot it even was an alien branded. I mean, it's not uh, even really been that long since then, like in uh, in the grand scheme of things. But it's the sort of thing where one alien movie every four or five years is a lot more palpable, even if some of them are misfires, yeah. versus you know three movies in a universe or yeah. four in a in a year, even. Yeah. So mm. it's it's a whole well, thing. Well, like I forgot Linda Hamilton came back to Terminator with that last one. I forgot that movie existed too. So yeah, you, know. you, you can forget it. It's just not. It's not. But, but that's what I mean. It's not like it's not like they're reminding you of, that it's constantly there. You know. So if another Terminator were to come out in two years, then it would be like, okay, this. So it, you know, it plays. <laughs> Isn't that what they tried for like the last four Terminator movies? I they think did. so. <laughs> four, four. There was. Four, well, I don't know. If, no, maybe not three. But the last three Terminator movies were all supposed to be the start of trilogies, and all of them failed to bring success. 
they were a trilogy of failure trilogy of fail trilogies that is yeah. wonderful anyways comic-con uh, so yes, we do have Comic-Con to get into actual comic book news, of which there's a, a few things here. I'll just start off. It's kind of weird, though, isn't it? Because of everything going on, San Diego Comic-Con actually has comics news. Those, those have been some of my favorite responses on Twitter from comic book professionals, where people are going, oh, Comic-Con's not worth going to because you know none of the movies and none of the studios are there. And they're like, oh, so it's, so it's about comics again? Well, that's actually uh, funny. Is that uh, obviously that is the the thing is that you really kind of have to care about the comics for the most part. I yeah. mean, there are still some movies and TV shows there that just have like say mm. the directors and producers there <laughs> as opposed to the yeah. cast. But uh, one of the knock on effects, though, that's maybe a slight negative, is that because there's no big piles in Hall H that everyone's queuing for, the actual floor's busier, <laughs> so everyone's more packed yeah. in. Uh, so there's a slight negative to it, but you know, uh, you take the the ups and the downs. Uh, before we get into the, the news news, I will just mention the Eisner Awards obviously happened, as mm-hmm. they do every year. Um, and Nightwing won Best Continuing Series, and also mm-hmm. Redondo won Best Cover Artist for Nightwing. So, And he wouldn't wake up, I guess, in Spain. The time <laughs> difference, he was still asleep, and Taylor's trying to get him on the phone. Uh, so yeah. I, that, I heard that made for some laughs. Yeah, also, so. stick it out, again, something else we've praised uh, is mm-hmm. uh, Human Target won... Uh, best miniseries and mm. I believe was Smallwood for I think yeah I think it was Smallwood for pencils yeah yeah so uh yeah so so there you know, some big DC books that we we mm-hmm. praise heavily on the show of, I know uh, Tynan won one for something but I'm not sure what well he won, won I think he's won best writer for his body oh. of work uh okay. which included that's cool you know uh, including Nice House in the Lake but it included a couple mm-hmm. of image books it included you know everything he's gotcha. been doing I didn't realize it was cumulative I just saw he had won best writer. Um, so, yeah. which is cool. These are all names of people that we enjoy. So it's, mm-hmm. it's nice when the people that you like end up winning big awards. Yeah. Oh, and then on top of that, uh, one bad day Riddler won best one shot. Okay. So nice. That's cool too. So it's it's nice that a bunch of things we uh, you know, we repraise on the show. <laughs> it uh, definitely justifies our taste sometimes, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at some of the other things as well. Like I don't think there's anything that that sticks out as a. Eh, I don't, I'm not sure I agree with that choice. You, you some some years you look at them, sure, yeah, and you'd yeah. be like, really that? Yeah. I think uh, I think it's pretty on point this year. I know uh, Daniel Warren Johnston won for Do a Power Bomb. It was uh, in a like best. It wasn't like a best mini, but it was like something along the those only, lines. The only one that I maybe disagree with is uh, Zari Thurgood not winning uh, best writer artist for mm-hmm. It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth because that's mm-hmm. pretty phenomenal. Um. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention those because there was a few mm-hmm. notable DC victories in there. I'm I'm really happy for Nightwing. Like again, like to take that book from where it was to winning Eisner's is yeah, that's great. Is really yeah. a feat. Uh, which actually does somewhat lead us on to the first bit of news here. Uh, spinning out not from Nightwing but from Titans. Uh, there's going to be like a little event happening, uh, mm. starting in November that will run through January. Uh, we're going to get a book uh called titans uh what was the on beast wars i want to say beast world is beast world uh titans beast world and it's basically this invading force it's kind of like a starro but it's more beast focused and apparently uh beast boy himself will be the key to possibly fighting it uh so yeah okay. uh, this is going to be tom taylor um uh writing this and they had uh ivan reese is on the art so that's okay. uh 
the team for that. So this is on top of the regular Titans book. So we're going to have uh, another little. Uh, I assume they'll be tying into it as well. Pro- like I imagine Nightwing so. and Titans, respectively. Yeah, and not only that, um, issue four of Tales of the Titans, which just started, is going to mm-hmm. also set up a little bit with Beast Boy in that issue. That's going to factor. Cool. Is that the Beast Boy issue of that series? Yeah. So now it's. So each issue of that is a different member. Yeah. But there is only there is only four issues. So that's the last one. So they're using that to sort of maybe establish some Beast Boy stuff that might be relevant in the in the story as well. Uh, so this is cool. I mean, I appreciate that it is just uh, you know it's, it's basically just a, a story that involves the Titans and focuses on Beast Boy that is going to live in conjunction with the Titans book, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to Night Terrors where you know every book stopping and we're getting you know. <laughs> all these tie-ins so yeah i mean I, i'm optimistic enough for this i have no reason to to feel uh, negative about it to be honest yeah no yeah it's uh, uh it's more tom taylor it's you know he's been building both these books already i'm sure it'll make sense by the time we get there as well mm-hmm. yeah uh and it's you know it's only running till january so it's what three months uh i don't know if they actually say in here if it's only three issues or if they're doing like a two issues per month thing uh, but uh, I will say some of the, the pages of art that they've got here uh, down at the bottom of the article on uh, Comics Beat they look quite good uh, so cool yeah. it'll, yeah. it'll look oh. good DC thing for right if it's Reese uh, on art so I'm sure we'll find out more in the uh, solicits next week as to how many issues it is yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, they'll probably be more specific than that. Uh, so there you go. Or maybe it'll be one of these things where there's an alpha and omega and three issues in between. So they'll. Uh, I hope not. They'll kind of double up on the first month. <laughs> just, just name it one to five and get it under. I know, I know, I know. You know, I agree with that. I can't be arsed with all this bullshit naming either. Um, next thing that popped up from Comic Con is a new Outsiders book. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a little bit different. So this is a 12-issue Outsiders book, and it's coming from Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, uh, with art by Robert Carey, or Carey, I'd say. Um, and this is actually just a, a, a duo. This is just Batwoman and Luke Fox, who are teaming up to be archaeologists looking into DC's history. And that's the 12-issue book. So it's, it's very different from traditional Outsiders. Yeah, you, you had me at Outsiders, uh-huh. and then you said... You know, Lansing and Kelly, I'm like, eh, okay. I think they've and then, also um, said there's going to be a drummer from Planetary. It's going to be a, a character oh, okay. in it as well. I don't know if, if, uh, if she's going to be part of the main team or if it's just uh, like... Uh, Connor, you, you say drummer, all I hear is expands. I, I know, I do the same as well. Yeah. But, like, but I was going to say, and then, and then I hear Batwoman and Luke Fox, I was like, okay, archaeologist of DC, all right. Let's let's go back up. But they will look at what what fell through the cracks though. of continuity. I mean, Batwoman's definitely an outsider. Like you know, it, it just like a, not as like a team member, but as a broad use of the word in the DCU. She feel yeah. you know she's never felt like she's just one of the Batgirls. She always always felt like she is an outsider who's kind of like on True. the fringe. But I just I feel like in DC that that's a loaded you know term. It'd be like calling a team Titans, but not have anything to do with you know what we associate yeah. the titans with mm. so it's a more literal use of the word as opposed to the mm-hmm. traditional use of the title yeah. uh to be fair though it's not like they're calling it batman and the outsiders one because it no. wouldn't fit but uh look am i gonna read it am i gonna have issue one absolutely so you know i'm here for this yeah i'm not surprised uh another book that was announced uh did not see this one coming this is justice league versus godzilla versus kong <laughs> 
which it's is a mouthful. which is great news because it means we can all watch King Kong lose again. So uh, that's delightful. We just gotta watch Matt get angrier and angrier at every issue. <laughs> Godzilla's gonna bitch slap him, then Superman's gonna bitch slap him, and he's just gonna keep going down. Excuse me, Superman has a history with large ape creatures, and he takes care of them. So I think. <laughs> Superman and Kong will be friends. Thank you. <laughs> you're hoping your your sad little little man's fan fiction. <laughs> Look, how often has King Kong been the villain? Not 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 much. How often has Godzilla been? When the villain? was the last time you watched All King Kong? Nineteen thirty three, Matt. It's been a while. There's a there's a moment in that movie that shocked me the last time I watched it where yeah. he's when he's in New York and he's like climbing up the buildings and he's uh-huh. looking for. Uh, the main lady right because he wants to find yeah. her and he, he goes past an apartment he pulls out a woman looks at her realizes that it's not her and just throws her oh. over his shoulder and keeps climbing <laughs> that's great that's Matt's Kong <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> but it's evil it's not a heroic <laughs> move <laughs> is it evil is it evil or is it careless I would argue it's careless <laughs> it's reckless there's no malicious will there Yes. Uh, Anywho, <laughs> uh, look, it's, it's Brian Bucciolato who yes. I'm a big well, fan that's of. what I was going to say. Yeah. Brian Bucciolato writing yeah. with uh, Christian Dus and Luis Guerrero on the art. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, you know what is it? Look, I like Godzilla. I like the Justice League. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be there for that. That sounds fun. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's fine. Uh, so that's the thing that's happening. Uh, probably more about that in the solicits as well, I imagine. Uh, and that that was all everything I had. I don't know if there was any other little things that stuck out. Oh yeah, out. there's two more things that are they, they've leaked from the the uh, the DC Connect issue that, that that were all presumably to be announced mm-hmm. this weekend. Just some of them haven't had the official announcement yet. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning on. we're recording this on Saturday. There's still more panels yeah. today, and there's panels tomorrow. So it's entirely possible there'll be a few things that happen. That have not leaked that we'll find out about and talk about next week. So, uh, we've got Amazon's Attack, uh, which I believe is a mini series. I could be wrong though. It uh, sounds I'll, like wait, one. You know, wait for more details on that. Um, it's by Josie Campbell and uh, Vasco okay. Georgiev on art. <laughs> and it features a team up of um, Nubia. Uh, who else we got here? We got Nubia, uh, Wonder Girl. Uh, that's not blank. Which on her one? Name. Cassie? Nope. No. Donna? The other one. Nope, the other one. What's her name? Uh, uh, Yara. The Brazilian one. Yara. Yara. Yeah. Yara. And uh, Mary Marvel's in there as well. Hey, let's go. Hey. And obviously, Missy Campbell just wrote that Mary Marvel mini. Okay. So. No, I mean, I was already on board because she was writing it, but the fact that mm-hmm. Mary Marvel's also on the team has made me even more interested. So go yeah. on. Well, and, yeah. and more on Josie Campbell within that realm later. Well, yeah, yeah but she's shackled by Night Terrors, so I'm not going to. I'm not going yeah, to. I'm not going to hold this week's book against her. I'm not. I'm not either, and that's all actually. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> and uh, there's one more thing that I think you will both be. Uh, well, you'll be excited about and frustrated because it's just a special, not an ongoing or a mini. Mm-hmm. But this is a Supergirl special mm-hmm. by Mariko Tamaki. Hey, oh, okay. oh, come on, come on. Okay, right. Yeah, lead, and uh, lead... Skylar Partridge on art. Yeah, lead into an ongoing. Come on. This is, yes. this is, it's time. I'm hoping this is along with like the like what's happened with the Power Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where that's getting a, a, you know, a book coming out of it. 
I'm hoping this is the same thing. Yeah, it's more Tamaki's. Yeah, Tamaki's been a while because obviously she had a detective run, did -hmm. a couple of little things, but you know, she's not had a book since then. She she had one of the one bad day spinoffs, I think, but Mm -hmm. uh, that's about it. So, yes, please. Yep. Yeah. There's just some other little bit there. Dan Jurgens talking about there's a a return of Superman anniversary, you know, (laughs) thing. No kidding. Yeah. They just did <laughs> yeah. the death anniversary. We'll have to do the return anniversary yeah, as well. Yeah, return anniversary. Yeah, we it'll, it'll focus on the uh, the four Reign of Superman replacements. That's, I can just see them doing this stuff to play Kate Dan Jurgens. Oh, you're right, Grandpa. <laughs> oh, actually, no, there was one more bit of news. Uh, yeah. we, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but just in the news section, I should mention Ram V signed an official, you know, exclusive DC contract, so he, he can't mm-hmm. work at Marvel. Uh, yeah. Happy for us because his work's been great. So, yep, um, he yep. said it, it allows him to do his creator own stuff because he said that's like breathing to him. Yeah, so he'll still be part of Which I'm pleased to tell you guys. The last five or six years is that hey, you can't work for Marvel, but we'll let you do creator owned. Mm-hmm. You know, even even at one of the bigger companies, like yeah, it tells Apple me that DC know what they've got with them, and they're like, okay, mm-hmm. he killed it on the Swamp Thing. He's doing a great job in Detective. We want him to keep you know, doing more stuff and apparently he's planning up like the next two years of his DC work yeah. right now. He's seen that on Twitter. So that's By all means. very exciting. So you can tell he has an affection for the characters. It comes through as he's writing. Um I was gonna say, uh Connor would be pleased that I finally got my copy of Savage Shores. Oh, it's so good. Uh, yeah, so I picked that up this week because um they kept ordering it and then they kept forgetting to put it in my box and they would put it on the shelf and it would sell. And they didn't want to tell me. And so finally, they remember to put it in my box. So uh, that's, you know. You, you will enjoy that book. Yes, I have it. I'm going to start reading it when I get caught up, which, judging from what you guys were saying about some of the Night Terror stuff, get I have a lot less to get caught up. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot less to get caught up. I can just jump into Savage Shores. So <laughs> excited. But yeah, Ram V, one of our guys, it's great that he's exclusive at DC. And, uh, yeah. Yep, yep. Look forward to more book announcements with. Uh... The big, the big V on the name, Ram V for Vendetta. They call him. Uh, they don't. Hey, all I'm saying is we got four and five, leading some great books at DC. Hopefully. God, now I need a Ram V for Vendetta mask. Or they could do a. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, it's just Ram V, but you're doing it in the style of the poster for that old TV show V, where you've got the big yeah. red V and just the Ram before. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, creative. or if you want to do a tie-in to the uh, you know the universe from the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer, you do the Wolf, the Ram, and the V. The law firm? Eh? Mm-hmm. Eh? Mm-hmm. All right, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I'm sure there's more puns to be uh, made with Ram V's name. I'll save them for I thought that. that was, yeah, that was just Angel, right? That wasn't Buffy. That was Angel, but it was that universe. Okay. Yeah. But I you know, I just, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't smashing right. them together. You know, I, I just wanted to say my catchphrase. That's all. <laughs> I, got, I got you. I just want to make sure I wasn't missing things. So no, you're, you're good. You're good. Uh, so okay. All right. Well, there you go. That is the news. Uh, some interesting tidbits uh, in there. Some books. Uh, you know, we'll see how they go. We'll probably have solicits next week, so we'll we'll dive into them and uh, look look at everything coming in October. Uh, which thankfully is all post night terrors. So <laughs> can't wait. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, let's talk about comics. So night terrors, Superman issue one. Joshua Williamson writing and Tom Riley on the art. And I would like to start off by saying 
there's a moment early in this issue where it's, it's you know it starts off with like the moment superman fell asleep and he falls out the sky mm-hmm. and his nightmares start and then he's falling through the water and they do like an inception style thing where because he's falling through water um there's like a tidal wave in his dream and i thought oh okay, you know what if they play mm-hmm. with this i could have some fun that's an interesting intri- yeah it's a fun little concept yeah. And then I, I lost interest by the time there's like a, you know, a villainous figure who's meant to be like all of his fears and you know, formed into a, a, like a persona and blah, blah, blah. A, but a then, skeletal <laughs> angel, yeah. But then, then a couple of pages later, and I flash back to two weeks ago when we were talking about uh, Night Terror's Batman and we were complaining about the perils and we sat here and we said, we better not see Krypton exploding and Superman Night Terrors. And would you believe it? Krypton exploded! Which, honestly, it, the, the broad problem with these tie-ins, not all of them, but a lot of them, right? And I'm including uh, Batman, Superman, I'm including Green Lantern because it had the Abin Sur crash landing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll include Nightwing, kind of. Uh, didn't have the event, but it had the dead parents. Um, <laughs> is that it's like they keep just like all these nightmares they're all just tying into like the base origin things that these characters it's the lowest always... common denominator yes they're not they're not trying to do actual nightmare logic stuff which is why i look at something like ravager and i feel that there's the nightmare logic at play there it's not yeah. the and granted ravager's not one of these top tier characters where everybody knows her origin or who she is but that allows that writer yeah. to do something a little bit different and but I also feel like the quality of writers that are working on these night terror books just take swings at things, right? Like, I I don't need to see Abin Sir, you know. It's just mostly meaningless, and that's why I like the the Shazam one quite a bit, is yeah. because. That did play with Dream That's Logic. another one. It Dream played with Logic. Dream Logic, but it also, I think, benefited from focusing on a character who's not the main character in the mm-hmm. ongoing run. I mean, she's in the ongoing run, but she's not the main character. Right. So it was like, okay, we're going to view it from a different perspective. And it, it has more to offer versus oh. a lot of these other tie-ins where it's just, okay, there might be an interesting thing early on in the issue, but by the time yeah. we get to the end, it's the same thing. They're facing their worst fears and their worst mm-hmm. fears all relate to their origin. It's- it's so long because there's one page in this book that I really love. It's fairly early on, like the first third or so. It's before the skeletal dude shows up. Yeah. And it's it's the page where Superman gets thrown through the panels. Mm-hmm. And it's like a full page with these four panels as vertical slices. And he's thrown through them. And each panel's like it's flashing through a different nightmare. Yeah. I thought that different. was such a phenomenal page. It's so creative. Yeah. It's all, you know, it's all different ways that Metropolis is being destroyed. You know, yeah, like uh, and, and then ball. it does nothing with that. Just like no, like these cool ideas. Oh, actually, yeah. I do. I, I'm going to give one compliment to the editorial of this event. Mm-hmm. Slightly, there is one thing that I will slightly praise: mm-hmm. is that this week in two different books and these tie-ins, there's examples of like two characters meeting up in the nightmare world, showing that yeah. they're all connected. Right? That they're you know, like, and so mm-hmm. in this issue, Supergirl punches through the dream wall into Superman's hey, nightmare. I will give Williamson credit for having the super family, you know, be able to punch through realities. Sure, yeah. sure. And then they you get know? attacked by all the different versions of, of Supergirl from, yeah, but, from, from continuity's but history. What I'm yes. praising there, though, is that from a pacing point of view of the event going over eight weeks, it is actually well plotted in the sense yeah. that you have this happening not until week three, but it happens in a couple of them. So it yeah. feels like 
it feels like you know some of them are, are syncing up quite well in that sense and also if you're only reading some of them there's a good chance you at least read one of the ones where two characters yeah. meet up from well and this feels because nightmares. it's williamson it feels like there's more not at stake but what are, what's the word but uh, you know it's yeah. more yeah. let me make yeah. it clear though that is the extent of my positivity you, on this no, i will say i i like the art here i love it like, oh yeah they are um, good, but that's like a separate thing oh. yeah, okay but, but uh, writing wise there are some things i did like you know the whole idea of you know like it's a again that this this feels like it should be more fear-based and not just nightmare right because a nightmare is just a, it's a bad dream not necessarily things that you're afraid about right you know and that's what makes it more frustrating with like the batman issue it doesn't yeah. It doesn't reference like his history with 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 Scarecrow, right? And like how he he should and, be dealing with this. But but I will say like I do like the idea of Williamson bringing up that Superman's the man of tomorrow because he's going to outlive everybody he cares about, right? And like and what that would mean, and that is to me one of Clark's nightmares. Like that that goes in there with him not being able to say Pac can't because it was a heart attack. You know, it's it's something that's completely out of his hands, no matter how much he tries. You know he's gonna outlast people he cares about, uh, and I think Williamson did get to do a pretty decent job of getting that point across. Now, what led to all of that? Like, why did we need the big demonic angel skeletal thing to represent this? Right? Why couldn't it just be Superman having a, a, a monologue with himself alone and how he, you know, you know, for someone that's the last son of Krypton, he really isn't. You know, he, he is surrounded by people he cares about. So, um, but yeah, uh, it's they, these are starting to feel way too tedious, to borrow a term from Pete. Well, yeah, one of the things that's a problem with it is that a lot of them are hitting the same beats and they're using the same mm-hmm. formula. So it's like random things. Oh, something from their origin. Mm-hmm. Uh, here. And so even if like something is making an okay point, like, okay, Superman naturally has a fear that he's going to mm-hmm. outlove outlive everyone that he cares about and be alone okay that's that's perfectly makes sense mm-hmm. but the problem is is that when you're doing this for every character even if they're all making at least one good point it still feels mm-hmm. really repetitive because i'm like well yeah. okay, you know like um like yeah. i i'm still i mean it's only been two issues but i'm still enjoying the main story part so far mm-hmm. again it's joshua williamson he's probably going to drop the ball later because he usually does but so far i'm enjoying the main it's, story but the well, time... it, it doesn't feel like there's a formula no like these other ones do and it's not set in the nightmares though it's, 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 it's right. dead man's been a proactive main character mm-hmm. he's done he's pulled off an interesting thing in the last issue Eight. to try and solve it you know by resurrecting sandman mm-hmm. cool fun right you know let's yeah. let's, let's play with that but uh the tie-ins yeah. are just oh it's like like there's not been a single one even though i mean i call it the mary marvel one but there's not been a mm-hmm. single one that has made me go i'm glad that i got this instead of yeah. the next issue well, of Shazam or the next that's issue. that's how i felt about green lantern right because because i got behind on green lantern so i read issue two and then immediately went to issue three and you know issue two ends as it's going mm-hmm. and i i like jeremy adams so i went in with with like okay he might pull this off and then that was just awful I, yeah, I I, lost, I didn't want to read comics again. <laughs> it was just that. not that it was that bad. It was just like it's meaningless. What's on TV? Like, what what can I do to block <laughs> right it's, now? it's you know when people say that that comics are a, a meaningless art form. Yeah, and and uh, especially in in the uh, the direct market that the singles are overpriced. Uh, yeah, you know, for that. and and I look at that Green Lantern issue and you go, maybe they got a point. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there was nothing interesting in there for for it. So, like, yeah. So. Um, yeah. And, you know, and it has like a big cliffhanger. The cliffhanger means nothing because it's in a nightmare. It doesn't matter. Right. They can literally just like wave this away in the first page mm-hmm. next issue. And go, oh, literally, all they have to do and work go is, and then they woke up. Yeah. And none of it matters. <laughs> yeah. And, so, well, that's why I like the stuff that they do with Superman here with, with, with Kara. You know, her her coming through, now he's not alone. You know, he's he's got someone else to go through this with. Um. You know, so at least that, that's a little bit different than some of the other stuff. Yeah, but it's like the last three pages. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. so much of it's still the same formula. I guess the one interesting reveal at the end of this is that Aquaman and the other Atlanteans yeah. are still awake. So, you know. <laughs> More interesting, uh, Williamson doesn't have a vibe for how to write Arthur. I'll say that much either. <laughs> Having him talk like a pirate, it ain't it, man. Um, but at least that's fun. At least that's a little quirky type thing. Um, but yeah, they weren't affected. Another thing that bothered me, and this is just my continuity brain, um, is Superman didn't meet Insomnia, yet he knew when Insomnia pops up. Like, that must be him. Mm, right? Dream logic. I get the dream logic stuff, but however, you know, him just knowing, like, oh, you must be Insomnia. Like, where where'd he get that from? I think that's just, like, uh, they assume because we're reading at least the main book plus this right. that we know, so they're not going to waste time like trying to, like, have him realize it. Sure, but I just, like, it was one of those things that stood out. He could have just been like, oh, you're you're the one responsible. But him actually calling him his name, like, that's something I feel yeah. like Batman and Deadman and all of them would know because, you know, Superman fell before any of that stuff. And, and for the record, like, I also, I agree the art is pretty good. Like, the art is, mm-hmm. you know, it's got this great look to it, especially in the Daily Planet stuff. It, it kind of has the this, flat. yeah, the flat yeah. colors, it's this old sort mm-hmm. of Silver Age look to it. Uh, and then, you know, it gets more, like, you know, the, Krypton exploding looks good. Like, yeah. like I'm not going to say it doesn't, but, you I know. I just don't want to, I don't want to see the rocket ship anymore. The, per- right. the perils look good too, and Batman. <laughs> wow. God. Oh, God. Uh, I was explaining that issue to my wife, and she thought the, the pearls were hilarious. So at least, again, to a normie with zero context, it's, you know, it's still, still ridiculous. Hey, Batman yes. was more enjoyable to read than this because Batman was funny, right? It wasn't good, Dude. but it was funny. So you're calling Batman, Night, or Night Terror's Batman, the birdemic of comics. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of in that ballpark. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> Okay, it's not as bad as Birdemic. I, I didn't have anything else to pull from yeah. though. I, I would rather watch the Birdemic of uh, an event than the yeah. 5 out of 10 middling thing Yeah, the rest of it is. Transformers Rise of the Beasts. <laughs> That's closer. That's closer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, how, how you praise for art, the art here, and, um, you know... Uh, I don't think I've seen this artist before, so that's why it felt familiar, though. But probably just because it feels a little bit like Darwin Cook. Mm. And I think that's, you know... It is Darwin Cook-esque, yeah. yeah. I don't know if I've design. seen them on anything. No. I'll have to see what they've worked on. But it felt familiar, and I think that that helps also with the dream logic type stuff, too. You know, uh, it feels like this idealized... It's like Pete was saying, and so it feels... I'm completely lying. I've been reading his stuff on um, the Thing miniseries that he did. Oh. Uh, had a star last year with uh, oh. Walter Mosley. Uh, really good mini. Oh. oh. Like the Thing as in the, the, the John Carpenter? No, no, Marvel. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh shit, the, Ben Grimm. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, th- I, I thought John Carpenter first as well, man. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I, we're in comics. I didn't think I needed I to. No, I thought that well, would just... be the one people went to first. No, Look, well, I'm just going to say the thing's a better movie than any Fantastic Four has ever been a comic. I'll just say. Come at me, Fantastic Four fans, all twelve yes. of you. Come at me. Also, knowing that this is the art for the thing, that I'm <laughs> going to go check. It's a really out. fun book. Yeah, I'm like four issues into it out of the six. Okay. Uh, okay. So I mean, maybe it should see ending. I don't know, but well. Uh, that, so that should mean that the trade's out then soonish. The right? trade will be out already. Yeah. I'm just reading yeah. on Unlimited. Right. I might have to pick that up now. But yeah. So, cool. Are we Very reading good. this? Are we be done? Oh, do you mean we're rating this? Yes. Is it, That's what you said. I thought I said we're reading this. Oh, no. Rating. We already did, Matt. This is... yes. Unfortunately. Uh, yes, Matt. On you go. Right, right away. So I'll, I'll give this a 6 out of 10. Connor? Bafflingly high. Um, I'm going to a 4. I think I'll sp- split the difference, I guess, and go five. Uh, it gets that high because of the art, uh, for the most part. Um, but I'm, I'm, I can't say I'm that mad at your four either. <laughs> like, I don't feel that passionate about it. Uh, this, is, this is the worst feeling you feel at the end of a comic. Is like, I'm not even, like, I don't even hate it, hate it. I just... Uh, what? Anyway, uh, Night Terror's Nightwing issue one, Becky Clooney, Mike oh. Conrad writing with Daniel D. Niccolo on art. Um, so, what I'll say, as much like Superman had the Inception style moment that made yeah. me go, oh, maybe this will be fun. Um, there's a moment early on in this where, so the plot of this is that Nightwing's been thrown in a cell at Arkham Asylum for something. We find out much later what it's for. But he's he's been brought into a cell in Arkham Asylum, and there's a moment where Two-Face in the next cell references, oh, at least I'm not in there with him. And Nightwing looks around and goes, but there's no one here. And I thought... Oh, maybe if they just made this a cool little horror story where there's something mm-hmm. in his cell that you can't see or something. Or, or uh, it's he's like Two Face, where he has an alternate personality he's unaware of, and Two Face is referring to to Nightwing, right? Something different. Whatever, yeah. I bet you know I was getting like a horror vibe, and I was like, yeah, okay, I, I could maybe get into like a horror story. And then from that moment on, it just went downhill. <laughs> and so I I almost didn't read this because I had a conversation with Connor last night about sorry. Yeah, why, okay. why would you do that? That would do that. I didn't tell him, him not to read it. No, no, no. So I was telling him like I was, he was asking if I was going to read the Starfire book. I was like, of course, it, it's Starfire. And so, and he goes, uh, I, I'm done with the Night Terror stuff myself. And boy, was that an experience, especially Nightwing. And then so that primed me to be like, do, do I need to read this? And then on the way to breakfast this morning, I, I banged it out on the car ride. Um, that might have been the only improvement, as I almost got car sick. So at least, you know, <laughs> I was feeling something. Uh, I shouldn't. There. You shouldn't read and drive at the same time. It's not. It's not. I idea. wasn't driving. Just so you know, <laughs> the car was on auto drive. Right, we made it there safe. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but yeah. Um, um yeah. So. Uh, uh, so there's like a sort of Twilight Zone thing here, but all of the people who should be humans are all like pigs and stuff. Like they all have pig heads, because you know whatever. Yeah, at first I thought it was like meant to be like a Professor Pig thing. Me too. And then I saw them all later with like this guy with a bull head, a dog head, a goat head, and like mice and stuff. I'm like, oh, oh this is just just and a they, thing. And they're going for like a fairy tale thing, like you know, like uh, little pigs, Maybe. wolf. Uh... Maybe, but then I don't know. I don't know. It kind of seems really random. Yeah, has a tie into Nightwing and the story that they're telling. 
it wasn't yeah. adding up, but I guess that's dream logic. Uh, also, one thing, like, I don't think the art is necessarily bad, but there was definitely mm-hmm. some panels in this book where it felt like Nightwing for certain panels looked like he was 13, <laughs> like, yeah. out of nowhere. Like, all of a sudden, he just looked like he was really young. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, just, just worth mentioning that. Uh, but yeah, basically, he's just wondering why he's there. They're electrocuting him, giving him shock therapy, uh, trying to get him to admit what he did. Uh, and it- <laughs> he drops it, your mother, which <laughs> that did pop me. It's a Mario wrestling term. Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't fit Nightwing as a character, but it was a nice, yeah. a nice laugh. Eventually, two of the animal head people, the 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 you know doctors or whatever, take off their faces, and it turns out to be zombies of his dead parents. That and was that, the moment where I went, oh. Yeah, that's the moment. That's the moment where I went, <laughs> It was oh. already, like, just mediocre, right? It wasn't, like, it wasn't terrible up to this mm-hmm. point. It was just like, right, okay, it's another one of these books. And then, and then I got to that and I went, oh, it's another one of these books. Yeah. We're doing this. We're doing the dead parents. It, I mean, the only compliment I can give it is that they're not falling off a wire and, like, you know, True. <laughs> landing True. in a circus. That's the only compliment I can give this at this point. Um... But yeah, so he's he's looking at his his dead parents. He jumps through the the mirror to get to insomnia in like a old school like insane asylum like doctor outfit, as mm-hmm. best I can describe him. Um, and there's like you know someone under Nightwing's bed. That's where the other like cellmate was, and then it turns out to be Scarecrow eventually, who's all contorted. Yeah, we saw a glimpse early on, and I thought it was meant to be Hugo Strange. Mm. I thought it was supposed to be Gordon. <laughs> I saw the, the big glasses. round glasses and thought yeah. Hugo Strange. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I had an idea necessarily because it's because it is just like or, the eyes and the mouth like, in the darkness, right? In that well, page. Yeah, yeah. And then and then when it reveals, he's like, "It's you," and I was like, "Oh, are they doing James Gordon Jr.?" Because that would have been a nice little mm. turn, you know? Because they're both these these prodigal sons, no, right? It's just a yeah. No, it's just cranes. Yeah, yeah with no bones. Yeah. And the, yeah, the, the thing is, is that Scarecrow's trying to get out, and he says that the walls move around, so he's trying mm-hmm. to explain that to Nightwing. We find out that what Nightwing did was kill Batman, and I'm like, okay, so they're saying that Nightwing has a deep fear that he's going to ruin Batman's legacy or something, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ending is that Babs is also now in here as a patient, and she's like half cybernetic. She's got like metal mm-hmm. tubes and stuff sticking out oh, of her I face. I just hate all of this. Yeah. Yeah, this one just got worse as it went. <laughs> it started off okay, maybe a nice idea or two, mm-hmm. and then it just plummeted. Um, so, you know. It starts okay, and by the end is actively bad. And this creative team I've been, you know, hit and miss with, but I really enjoyed yeah. Batgirls, so it's not like... Yeah, you, they can do good. I, I know they can. That's the other thing that kind of motivated me. I was like, okay, I kind of know what I'm in for with these, with these that if it's... I, I know we all fell off the Wonder Woman stuff, yeah. but it was never, like, this bad. No, no. No, it wasn't this bad, but it also wasn't worth, like... If I'm crunched for time, that's eventually why I dropped but, uh, one of them, right? I, I bring that up, though, because, you know, like, last week with Green Lantern, like, mm-hmm. I don't blame Jeremy Adams for that issue being yeah. what it was, really. Maybe a little bit, but for the most part, it's just, no, this is the predicament of yeah. this event and the, I would, the tie-in yeah. nature of it. I would trust this team with, with, with Gotham stuff, right? So, like, you would, you would have a little bit more, like Pete saying with Adams uh, on there. Like, there's a little bit more, like, you don't blame the editor... Then it's more editorial of like you gotta tell the nightmare, and you know Jake's gotta be afraid of killing Batman for whatever reason. Yeah, like because typically when you're reading that like a long run of say Batman, right, and there's an Mm -hmm. issue 
and d- don't bring up uh i know tom king did an entire arc of nightmares right forget that right but you, so you're doing like a long run i'll say batman and you do like one issue where it's going to be like in his head as a nightmare the yeah. reason why that'll work when it works is because everything what is planned for a long time in advance but also it's thematically there to sort of like sort of set up some character beats that are going to be paid off later and things like that and also every other book isn't doing the same thing at the same time no, well it's it's like when morrison did the prose issue of of the joke yeah story. obviously a lot of people hate that yeah but it was just one it wasn't the entire well, yeah but like you know like obviously yeah the fact that everything's doing it at the same time is a problem mm-hmm. but i'm saying mm-hmm. the reason why it works in a run and it's not an issue is because it, it's it's got a purpose that is planned in the run Part of the reason why most of these are feeling mm-hmm. at best mediocre and at worst just downright terrible is because I get the impression that a lot of these writers were just kind of, you know, like, here, you have to do this. Let's stop it's your- notable that there's not a lot of names that have been drafted from outside. It's a lot of like in-house current DC I- writers, even when they've not got a regular book right now, like, like this team. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Clune and Comrade, obviously they've well, finished in Wonder but- Woman, you know, Bad Girls is, is over. Like This is just a case of... Yeah. It, it okay. tells me a lot that Tom Taylor didn't have to write a Night Terrors. Yeah, it, Joe, you know that tells me. It tells me they said, look, Tom, you've got a lot of big things coming up later that you need mm-hmm. to be working on. You go do the important yep. things. Uh, you don't yep. do any Night Terrors. I want to know what Williamson's pitch was to them. They're going like, hey, we're going to go. We're going to take two months off. All right. And we're going to have people write these tie-ins. And we're not going to have regular issues out. I want to know what that pitch was. Yeah, I wonder, like... If this was pitched as something that stopped all the other books, or if DC said, "Oh, this is an opportunity to let a lot of the artists on the regular ongoings yeah. get ahead a little bit," like I wonder what the maybe the you know the the decision process was for that. Uh, I don't know. Curious. Yeah. Uh, so, anywho, uh, but yeah, Night Terrors, Nightwing. Uh, do not recommend it, Matt. What you what you rate it? Oh God, this this is a five. Connor. In the spirit of going significantly lower than Matt, three and a half. <laughs> I'll give this. Even like, uh, I'll say four. I guess. I don't know. I don't like. <laughs> anyway, Night Terror's uh, Wonder Woman issue one. Josie Campbell writing with uh, mm-hmm. uh, one for Aya on art. So it was nice to see that yeah. name again. Uh, the art mm-hmm. is quite good. Uh, say that up front. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely not the best I've seen from him, though. No, no. that's fair. But, uh, you know, it's definitely not bad. Uh, also, this just should have been a Justice League Dark. And, we're you know, we don't have a Justice League Dark book. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't so, know why this was called was just Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. It was a Justice League Dark. Yeah. They, I, maybe they thought Wonder Woman would sell more. Yeah. And it probably would, to be fair. So, um but you know, just Campbell. I, it was this one was fine. That's the one that I had the least amount of great it's with. The best of the three so yeah. far this week. What's well, so not good, but it's no less offensive. But but I do you know the the, the inner dynamics between Constantine, Diana, and Detective Chimp at the beginning I really liked, and you know the the running joke of the organ grinder being Detective Chimp's nightmare. I thought that was that was a lot of fun, but we we talk about origins and stuff again, and the whole thing leaning into you know Diana being a demigod, and that you know her nightmares that she's going to turn on the people she cares about. 
Yeah, uh, it's a little bit less overt than some mm -hmm. of the other ones. It's not like they are the one defining incident in, in her right. life. Right. But, Sorry, yeah. I got distracted here. There was like, a hell of a headline. Dolph Lundgren got married, uh, and he also uh -huh. has two to three years to live. Uh, I was like, oh. wait, what? What's happening? He's, he's got cancer, apparently. He's, uh... Oh, no. That's a, that's a shame. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, so... I wonder about Joseph Campbell, Wonder Woman. Uh, that's what we're talking <laughs> about. There I got go. caught off guard. Um, yeah, I mean, this was... I didn't really like it. Like, obviously, it's not it's not fitting the formula of the other two. But I got annoyed, though, because it felt like it started off like it was in the real world. But then as it went into this maze stuff, where they went into, like, the, the Nightmare Realm or whatever, mm -hmm. it felt like it just kind of became like the other ones as it went and on it, as well with the stuff with the maze it felt like it was doing what we got with the zatanna and robot man yeah but not as good but not as good and even yeah. that wasn't like amazing so it was like really frustrating yeah because yeah, when you get to the point where the, the lasso turns into barbed wire and then it's like okay this monster comes out who's like claims to just be diana's true self or her inner monster or whatever um and we get, you know, and there's a couple of nice two-page layouts uh, with fights. And uh, just from an art perspective, the, you know, the art looks, that's why I think the art looks the best in the issue to me. I think anytime Constantine's wielding his flaming sword, mm -hmm. there's a there's one panel where he's he's standing like uh, in a ready position with, with Chimp kind of hiding behind him. Mm -hmm. It's a great panel. Yeah, and like, you know, the issue just ends with this monster turning into a big snake and like chomping on Diana. And it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to like really care because again... This ultimately is just a dream and means nothing, you know? It feels yeah, just kind of like a... thing that says, is this the death of Wonder Woman? Is it, of, no, course it's, not. of course it's effing not. <laughs> it's almost yeah, insulting you. for you to say that. Yeah. Uh. Um, but yeah, I, I did like the idea of the truth, you know, being unbreakable, even like in a nightmare, right? Because that's, that's, you know, the logic of it's just a dream, you know? And then you can always turn on that, you know, Elm Street style where... There, you know, it's not just a dream. There, there are consequences that happen here, you know. Yeah. Um, but I don't feel like it goes enough with that. And again, that's probably just editorial being like, here, we need a disposable story. You know, what do you got? So. Yeah, yeah. And Wonder Woman's in like a weird place as well, of course, because it's new runs just about to start after this. Mm -hmm. So it's not like there's even an ongoing team right now because yeah. same thing we had with flash yeah because there's no way that they tell like hey tom do you want to uh yeah. do a couple of weird That's... issues before your run starts he's like no <laughs> like i wait. did this before with batman it didn't go over well exactly like his issue one of, <laughs> like batman issue one was great but batman rebirth issue one which was the week or two weeks before was a yeah, really I, just weird nothing issue i think that was I assumed Matt was actually referring to his nightmare yeah, stuff. I mean, like, that was. didn't go down well. Oh right, okay. He's yeah. like, I don't want to get tangled up in more nightmares. Yeah, that that's what I was referring to. Sure. So, yeah. but the weird thing is though is I probably as much as I we had a lot of problems with those nightmare issues at the time, I think I probably enjoyed most of those nightmare issues more than I've enjoyed most of these tie-ins. I didn't. <laughs> All right, fine. Tell you the truth, I don't remember a lot of them. I put them out, so you know. Yeah, but you're not going to remember any of these in six months' time. No. I'll remember the Ivy one. I'll probably remember Superman. The Ivy one wasn't very good. I like the Ivy one. Why would you I, remember I, the I, Superman I, one? It's shit. <laughs> I just, that's uh, mainly the art and some of the uh, stuff that I was saying. I'll remember that stuff. But no. yeah, I, like, I, I wanted to like the Ivy one, one because I, you've been enjoying the main book and it was yeah. the same writer and I had high hopes and then yeah. it was just, 
So again, it was really surface level and just boring. Yeah, yeah that was fine. I liked it. So, but yeah, no, this was fine. Like, it was, it was good to see Faraya on there again. Is that how you say it? I, always, yeah, I think so, yeah. So one of those names I always That's how over. I say it, anyway. I mean, I don't know if that's yeah, right. That's, that's why I said it that way. So I always say it. <laughs> but yeah, I have nothing really to add on this one. I read this one early in the week, and it didn't make a lasting impact. That's because so. nothing really important happens in it. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's vaporware. I, I read all these issues yesterday, and as I was reading them, like especially these Night Terrors ones, mm-hmm. I was reading them going, I'm going to struggle to remember these tomorrow. <laughs> like, like it, was, it was a, a conscious thought as I was reading them. I, like, I'm going to struggle. Mm-hmm. And that's just not good. It's just it's less than 24 hours, and I'm, like, I'm, I'm worried about forgetting half the issue. The sad part is, is that I know next month, just so that I've not got too few comics on the show, I'm probably going to read at least a few that I don't like that much, just... You know, like, okay, what's mm-hmm. the lesser evils out of the ones that I read last month? Uh, just so I've read some of the conclusions. Um, and, I mean, I, I don't even know which ones from this week I'll read next month because I, I, I didn't really like any of them. Um, you know, at least last week had Shazam and the Batman one was crazy enough that I'm at least curious as to what bullshit's in the second one. But yeah. th- this this week, I'm just kind of like, eh, you know, we'll see. But, all right. Mm-hmm. Night Terror is Wonder Woman. No one has jack shit to say about it. <laughs> Matt, what were you rating it? Uh, 6.5. <laughs> Connor? Five. Now it's become a game to see where I can put mine to see where Connor's going to put his. Yeah. I've got my scores predetermined. Honestly, like nothing in this pissed me off as much as the stuff in late, later on in Nightwing or Superman. But honestly, I'm going to give it the same rate as I did Superman. I'm going to give it a five because, yeah. like, ultimately, like it was more like nothing, more forgettable, and just nothing than that one. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. Night Terrors tie-ins. We're not having a good time. It's just, it's what it is. I can't wait till this event's over. Well, on the upside, it's only just over a month now. You know, you're almost halfway. Not even halfway. Almost halfway. <laughs> almost halfway. Anywho, uh, we got Batman Superman World's Finest, issue 17, Mark Wade writing, Dan Mora on the art. So we're out in night terror's territory, and we're into the final issue of this arc, which is New Mazel. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the way to beat him ultimately is to get Amazo back and have them effectively go into a feedback loop where they're just stealing yep. powers from each other constantly until yeah. they implode. Which I, 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 I thought like was the funny. The idea that new, new Mazo was kind of like a scalpel, and that the original Mazo was just a blunt instrument, and so you're just going to use the blunt instrument to destroy the surgical instrument. So that that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, this issue by and large is a lot of action. It's a lot of great Dan Mora art with. Uh, <laughs> You know, you've got Supergirl and Martian Manhunter fighting New Mezo mm-hmm. and being like, oh, maybe we've made a mistake because now he's got invisibility and other shit yep. <laughs> that he's stolen yeah. from them. I don't think it's yeah. a particularly strong. Like, in terms of writing of it, there's no yeah. surprises. There's no great moments that stick out. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah, it's the end of the arc. It's pretty much what you'd expect, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, fundamentally, the way they win is that, um, was it Magnus? His like, tech that he used to, like, make sure the metal men wouldn't go rogue he uses yeah. that on every other like robotic or ai based villain mm-hmm. 
uh, and then eventually Batman has the idea to use Amazo, and that's ultimately mm-hmm. what wins the fight. So you you get that big two page spread of uh, you know what was it Chemo and uh, Red Tornado mm-hmm. and a bunch of others. Yeah. Um, wait, is that is that was is that is, is that the Mammoth? Is that is that home? Pick it up. Mm-hmm. Mammoths? No, Mammoths. You know, the big red one. The, the red one, the big red hairy one. Yeah. That's the Shaggy Man. Shaggy Man. Is he robotic in any way? Yeah. He's, yes, okay. he's, a, he's a weirdly, he's an android that was, um, yeah. And then they, uh, during Morrison's run of Justice League, um, some evil general puts his brain in it and shaves the, all the hair off. And he's just, just this big hulking android named the general. Okay. Of, of course, Matt knows the history of the Shaggy Man. <laughs> of course, he does. why uh, would you be surprised? I will say though, Robot Man's down there as well, and I feel like he's a weird inclusion because he's not AI. He's got a robot no. body, sure, but he's not circuitry or anything like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I just, I just think that uh, Wade want to tie in the uh, Doom Patrol. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, obviously, it's a great looking page. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, no denying oh, that. Oh, looks great because more yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, I like that there's kind of like a perimeter where, okay, we can't get too close to, like, new Mezo or Mezo. So you've got, like, uh, all the heat vision blasters all, like, mm-hmm. at the perimeter, just blasting them from afar uh, yeah. whilst the Mezo's fighting them. Um, honestly, one of the little things I liked is that after all this is done and Metamorpho's, like, got the final blow and all that, um, is that they're on the uh, Dilly Planet roof and mm-hmm. Jimmy's, like, feeling really bad because he published that story about Bruce Wayne, like, possibly being the murderer of a stag and he's worried that bruce wayne is going to like sue him or come after him and superman just turns to batman and smirks at him uh, mm-hmm. i don't know i i, I enjoy those little uh yeah. knowing moments well like then he says that you you know it was like what if he sues the planet and batman's like yeah he can't he speculated motive but nothing else he wrote was false but jimmy's like that doesn't necessarily stop billionaires you know so like this is a he's guy that deals with luther all the time right yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, um, we know Bruce. Uh, mm-hmm. We know he won't, but uh, it's funny seeing Jimmy be worried about it for a little minute. Yep. Uh, so yeah. Um, so apparently, we're getting the untold origin of their like Batman Superman teaming up uh, mm-hmm. next time, and the return of Boy Thunder. How, how those two things exist together? I'm not sure, but coexisting timelines. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just flashbacks. Probably flashbacks. That looks like- yeah. Well, the, with Boy Thunder, though, it also looks like... That looks like... Kingdom uh, Come stuff. Yep. Yeah, so, it's with Kingdom Come, Superman, and Batman, but it looks of it. Right, which would make sense knowing that we know who Boy Thunder becomes. So... Mm-hmm. But yeah. Also, it looks like um, uh, Magpie and Riddler, and I'm not sure. That's uh, is, Vertigo, isn't it? No, Is it Vertigo? I think that's a version of Vertigo, yeah. Okay. Vertigo is one of those characters that's had like three or four really drastically designs. different designs. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It's so. either Count Vertigo or is it, um, is it Onomatopoeia? Yeah, it looks like Onomatopoeia a bit, but. Yeah, Onomatopoeia is like, maybe it's just the colors that are wrong. Yeah. Because it's usually the inverse. It's in black with yeah. a white spiral. Right. Okay. Uh,. There you go. But, yeah. yeah, this was fun. I liked uh, Amazo because, or Amazo, uh, Metamorpho showing up at the end where, you know, Bruce is like, yeah, but, you know, there's there's one more person that needs to have their say. And I was racking my brain thinking it was going to be like a, a robot or something, like, or maybe it's Doc Magnus, maybe it's the Metal Men, 
I forgot that it was Metamorphose. They, you know, he started all this. Yeah, I mean, the the start of this arc was so was yeah. so focused around him that it had to be mm-hmm. him at the end. That, that yeah, yeah. In. So, so it was just I, mean, I think good storytelling. They got so wrapped up in all the robot stuff. I mean, if anything, I mean, maybe a critique would be that he's not as focused enough on enough right. in this issue. Uh, I was gonna say more, not just this issue. The last couple since we got to the the new Mezo plan, yeah, yeah. kind of just forgot about all that. I think it was fine for an issue focusing on who New Mazel was and why he exists and how much of a threat yeah. he is, but I think this issue probably should have been more from the perspective of Metamorpho. Uh, yeah, or something like that. Being cool. kind of like just two issues out of the, I want to say five, four or five for this arc. Yeah. Yeah. That just would, very, it felt very divorced from the fir- first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd agree. As per usual, it's always kind of a fun, just light read. Mm-hmm. This world's finest book. The art's always really nice. Uh, I, had a, I, t- I mean, like, it's not a knockout issue by any means, but after reading those three Night Towers books, I, that, damn it, <laughs> yeah, it, was, yeah. it was nectar to my eyes. Yep. Uh, so, Matt, what are you rating World's Finest issue 17? Call me crazy, but this is an 8. Connor? You're crazy. Um, <laughs> not that crazy. Not, not this time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to a seven. I think, I think it's good. Yeah, I'd agree with the seven on this particular issue. Um, actually, since we're on this uh, particular uh, book, Matt, uh, did mm-hmm. you read World's Finest Teen Titans last week? I did. I did. I thought it was a a little bit weird in in spots, but I love the Lupacino art. Yeah. But some of, some of the character stuff it was a little. I thought wonky. it was quite good. I was. I was. Yeah. Uh, I actually. But it's th- also because I I associate Titans. With the new Teen Titans, right? Like that's who I go to first. So the fact that these predate them, it's the original ones. I don't have that spot in my brain that like, oh, this is how their dynamics are. So that was me bringing that into the book. Yeah, I, I actually World's really like that first issue, and I thought it yeah. is probably better than a lot of the world's finest issues. I think it's mm-hmm. hitting its. It seems to have more it's of a purpose. More to say, yeah, like, with, you yeah. Know, with the story as opposed to just. This book is way just one an excuse to to write these characters mm-hmm. in a in a setting that he's more familiar with. Right? Yeah, it's, it's uh, a, this is a fun romp book. Yeah, effectively, whereas that feels like it has an actual story that it's going to build to. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Hot Girl issue one. Uh, Jedzia Axelrod a writing yeah. with Amanke and Yuhilpin on the art. So this is our new Hot Girl miniseries, six issues. Um, and you know, first thing I'll say about this is that. It does, this feels like it's it's fairly well thought out in the sense that it spends time building its villain. It teases the villain before we get mm-hmm. to like, before we get to Kendra, and then it feels like it's got something to say about Kendra. You know, the whole issue kind of deals with her basically lying about feeling okay. And there's those panels mm-hmm. that they keep throwing in every so often of her like on the floor in a fetal position. Yep. Clearly, she's having yep. a hard time, but she's not willing to let anyone in to actually yeah. you know open up and, and talk about it. It's a character that we always associate with another character right like she's always with hawkman or she's always with the justice society so her being by herself right now you know as they talk about how her and jean broke up early on i think the reason why i'm I'm really focusing on that to start with is that Mm -hmm. i feel like i've read a lot of minis or, or even just a lot of issue ones of minis in the last couple of years where it feels like if you've got a miniseries, it feels like you should have a, a story that you're there to tell mm-hmm. over your six issues. And, it, and so this... many of them kind of feel like they're just like, nah, they're just six issues of like, because we want to write this character. There's not actually it's necessarily... It's just like an arc. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you, you could drop it in. This feels like an actual story with the way that it opens up, 
with, you know, uh, the story of the fox. You know, once upon a time, there was a fox, and it keeps going back to that. And then, you know, it does its different versions when it gets to Kendra, when it gets to, what's it name, Galaxy? Yeah, Galaxy's you know? the uh, other... Just from one of the YA graphic novels. From, from yeah. Axelrod's own. Oh, yeah, yeah that makes sense. So, but it, it feels like it's yeah. got a mission statement and it's got a purpose. Um, yep. And, you know, it, it spends time building up its villains. So I, I do think it's a little bit wordy. Like all the stuff about the fox uh, I, I on that first page. I opened that first page and yeah. went, oh, man. But... Uh, yeah. That, that's that, that's my promise. Um, I agree with all the things you've said, but I did not like reading it at all. Like I oh. thought like it was very wordy and I didn't think it flowed that well and i didn't i didn't really like a lot of the i i feel uh, like the dialogue felt yeah my, my bigger problem came from the dialogue was mm. there was the stuff from kendra mostly because I, I get they're trying to to write kendra as someone that's like putting up a front and like i'm fine i'm telling you, I'm fine and sometimes that's a tough thing to hit in print um but i know she just didn't sound like kendra that i've read before no, i didn't think that Power Girl sounded particularly great either. Like, like most of the characters, I thought just didn't sound right, and and because they kind of compounded, because it wasn't just one character; it was a lot of them, and then yeah. it just made it like a, a bit of a chore to read. Even though I like what is, I like the core ideas, mm-hmm. and I like okay, this is a statement. This is what the book is. This is the plans. I like all those things. I just don't like reading it, which is kind of frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it basically comes down to not liking the writer's voice, I suppose. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it didn't bother me as much because I, I was once once I started to see where this was going with the nth metal and you know the mystery of what the villain's doing with it, it has got me. I can I can excuse some of the other stuff. Oh, we have to actually talk about what some of that is. So the mm-hmm. the villain uh, made this like pat. It's almost like a deal with the devil tale thing where yep. the villain showed up to this little girl and said. You can have anything you want, and she's a little girl, so she asked for a pony. But it's basically you have to wear this necklace, and then you have to give me what I want someday when I come looking for it. And this is, you know, in present day, she's coming to collect. And it turns out this metal, uh, this necklace, sorry, was made of nth metal, and it was basically mm-hmm. the idea that if this girl wore it her whole life, uh, she would have this unique properties because it, she's sort of soaked in this nth metal. Mm-hmm. I'll call it radiation, for lack of a better yeah. term. And uh, basically is going to try and mess with Nth Metal to try and get home by the sounds of it. This villain wants to go back somewhere mm-hmm. using Nth Metal to create a portal. Uh, so, you know, it sounds like, you know, it sets her up, it sets up that she's villainous. Uh, mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Kendra is having some issues with her Nth Metal um, mm-hmm. and ends up, you know, sort of this galaxy ends up helping her in a fight. And she asks Batman for like, hey, do you have intel on this character? Which is an amusing enough little page because Batman's like, nah, mm-hmm. not much. And then he proceeds to talk for like five bubbles about yeah. all the information he has on her. Uh, and she's like, wait, that's not much. How much do you have on me? Uh, so that, that yeah. was amusing enough. Um, so no, I like that it, it, it feels like it's trying to deal with this idea of like really saying that Kendra has some emotional problems and she's not talking about it. And we're going to take this book to explore mm-hmm. that. And I think I appreciate that because so many miniseries for, you know, B-list and C-list characters tend to just kind of, like, you know, I'm not saying this is up to the standard of, like, uh, like a Tom King mini where he takes a character mm-hmm. and, like, super elevates them. But, right, it, it's... but I do think this is a step above what a lot of, like, typical miniseries do with these types of characters. 
it's the difference in something like this and then the or the blue beetle right the blue mm. beetle mini that came out that was supposed to read uh, just felt like a, the next arc of whatever it, blue it, beetle you know, it feels like it's going through the motions basically yeah. you know uh this at least feels like it's, it's doing something i will say there is so obviously there's a lot of stuff in here uh, there's a lot of queer characters in this book there's a lot of mm-hmm. uh discussion of political topics uh, at one point there's like a sort of flashback where it shows kendra in college at a black lives <laughs> matter protest and i felt weird about that just because it's the same way that in the last week mark wade had like teen titans like when they were kids uh, drones and they've got smartphones and they're using social media and i'm like wait how far forward is the timeline take the timeline slid i you, know? you gotta remember though kendra's not that old already that's so fair but coming out of college will only be a few years ago potentially i mean you say that but it doesn't feel like it's only a few years ago kendra is pretty young though so if you told me that it was like uh within five to ten years since she's left college yeah well ten years would be too early though <sighs> that, that would be for yeah. this particular reference so it, it, it kind of paints it into this very specific window um mm-hmm. when like that's not even far back enough to go to the start of the new 52 which i, I don't know how much the timeline has slid since then i guess it has a bit uh but right um it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just one of those weird things where we're tying in a real world event. Maybe, maybe they're just slightly future proofing this to to make for the next few years. Uh, maybe, yeah. Uh, it's just, it's just one of those... it's, it's a mini, so it's probably just going to be sold on its own as on you know. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of these weird things that's happened a few times recently where they're they're backdating and saying, hey, this early part of this person's superhero career happened when smartphones already existed, or happened when Black Lives Matter was already a phrase. And it's just kind of this weird thing where I'm like, oh, wow, it feels like we're we're really moving the goalposts here, which happens gradually throughout mm-hmm. comics. This just feels like the most like noticeable sudden jump that I've felt probably mm-hmm. since I started reading them. But, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's more just the fact that it is still a relatively recent thing that, that we're noticing it more, or if it is just a case of, you know, maybe, maybe you just they're using more drastic and obvious things to date it now yeah yeah um hey okay, it's not a big deal it's just something that stuck out to me because it, it reminded mm-hmm. me of how i felt with those smartphones and uh, world's finest uh, last mm-hmm. week uh but yeah so you know uh, anywho uh so again she's lying so, to her friend about how she feels she's lying to the justice yeah. league about how she feels um she wants to find out more about this galaxy character uh, who we see lives in her fancy penthouse? In, in Metropolis, yeah. yeah. In, in like, there's a section of Metropolis that where the aliens live. I think they're called an A-Town. Which, mm. Was that something from Supergirl? I feel? It sounds, it sounds familiar. I don't think it's the first yeah. time it's come up. But yeah, so, you know, so, so we're blending that type of stuff. and Yeah, Kendra um, ends up falling through her skylight when her yep. end metal starts acting up uh, later in the issue. So, yeah. Um, so there's, there's some stuff with the end metal I like that Axelrod's doing where when, so one of Galaxy's powers is that they can see like spectrums of energy and stuff. And when it, when uh, they look at... And manipulate as well, I think. Not just and see. manipulate, yeah. that's right. Um, when they look at the nth metal on Kendra, they see that it's almost like a solid form of energy. Like it, it's living, but it's in a solid state, which is something I think that's 
not new to Internetal, but I, I do like that's where they're going with with the whole villain where it absorbs their energy. So like if if fifty years on a regular person, that was the amount of energy that the villain could pull from that one person in the beginning. What's gonna happen when when they pull from try to pull from Gendra, who's always been associated with the Anth Metal through however many different timelines, right? So, yeah. and, you know, I kind of like that with the whole idea of the the solid energy and all of this. So I'm curious to see where this goes and ends up. And um, but I definitely I enjoyed reading it for the most part. Yeah. It was a little wordy, but I did like the art too. I mean, I like. Uh, the, the Hulkin's always pretty good. The Hulkin is yeah. pretty solid. I, I appreciate that it sort of sets up its own supporting cast mm-hmm. and that it does have this kind of, okay, we're, we're establishing this villain's got a goal and it's separate from Kendra, but obviously the Nth Metal connection is going to bring them together. Uh, that mm-hmm. feels like really developed to me and that it feels like, oh, it feels like a big deal when they do cross paths, um, mm-hmm. which is good. You know, it's hard to do that with a new villain uh, and your, your first uh, issue of a comic. Um, and then on top of that, you know, the fact that we're dealing with Kendra and not being honest about how she feels about things and what she's going through, it's like, okay, there's an arc here to have. I, th- I think from a sto- raw storytelling perspective, it's doing a lot of smart things. Um, and the only real issue that I had with it really was just uh, some of the, the wordiness of it. You know, a mm-hmm. few, you know, condense it down to some less words is all really I would say. But um, yeah, I was pretty much into it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, were you, were you rating it, Matt? I'll give it a 7.5. Connor? Um, I'm going to give it a 5. I like the ideas, don't like the writing style, like the voice. So it was hard for me to enjoy. Yeah. But it's not bad. Yeah, I would agree with Matt, 7.5. Like, There's obviously improvements to be made, but I think all the things it's doing right gets it a pretty reasonable score. So uh, that's Hot Girl issue 1. I, I would say I'm down to read uh, more, mm-hmm. more of this. Uh, good stuff. All right, Tales of the Titans issue one. This is the Starfire issue. It's uh, Shannon and Dean Hale writing with Javier Rodriguez on the art. Uh, mm. Matt read this. I don't know if Connor did yeah. too. Actually, I did. Oh, he did. Oh, okay. Matt told me that it was good. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. And, and did you concur? Yes. <laughs> there was a pause. Okay. There was a pause there. Yes, I was worried. <laughs> I think the highest rating Connor's given so far is like a five. Yeah. Uh, um. Not to spoil my rating for no no I gave I gave uh, well well Twinus oh, yeah well Twinus yeah. was a bit higher I'm not sure. to spoil my rating for mm-hmm. for this but it blows everything else out of the water okay like so far like Go they, seven point five they're not even close <laughs> yeah. to this yeah. yeah um so so this book so was this a digital first because that's what Connor was saying that uh, Pete, Pete told me on. that it might have been but I no I thought I it know. was because of the way it, okay. it, it popped up in the same way that some of those other minis did that were digital first okay. but I don't actually think it is I think it's just no yeah okay so this is what I like about this is this is like how the character was introduced back in the eighties right because they did these tales of the Teen Titans and you know they were stories about you know Beast Boy what Ravens Cyborg and Starfire. And uh, we have to know those characters as they're showing up. And and here it's we're we're seeing how not how far they've come, but what they've become since then. At least that's what the vibe I got from Starfire. Yeah, it's it's very much set present continuity. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're they're just like you know hanging out in the Titans Tower. They've just moved yeah. in again together. So we're pretty much right at the of the Titans book. And so at the beginning she, they're hanging out, and uh, Starfire goes to get her her lunch, but. Beast Boy's eating it, and 
you know, it's uh, living with Kara forgot that everything is, you know, nothing is sacred and whatnot. And he calls her princess like playfully. And she kind of cops an attitude. She was like, all right, look, don't call me princess. Tamarind doesn't exist anymore. That's not who I am. You know, I've done other things since then. Um, and then the Titans get a call and to go, there's like a, from Oracle, they get like, there's a, in Utah, there's some kind of like bee colony collapse. So, you know, they go to deal with that and Corey's, you know, coming a little behind and Oracle comes back through and says, well, there's, there's something else. I got like an alien ship coming in. It seems like it's Tamaranian. And they've sent out a distress signal looking for, you know, for you. Looking for Princess Coriander, right? And so, uh, and while she's talking about this too, she also talks about her weird relationship with, with Barbara because of, of Dick. And that, like, she wishes she could be closer with Babs because they actually do have a lot in common, you know? Um, and probably one of my favorite panels in the whole book is they're at a, at a Black Canary show. Yeah. And, you know, uh, screaming the words along to the song you know, together and so, you know, from when they were a little bit younger. Uh, yeah. The art and, in this, um, mm -hmm. Rodriguez, Rodriguez is phenomenal. Yeah. But, it's, it's uh, got this flat style and he uses kind of negative space to draw Corey where we get told throughout the book because of the experiments that the scions did on her, she became kind of this being of, of energy and light. And so sometimes he draws her without like hard lines and yeah, the, you know, and the color makes up the negative lettering space. plays into it as well. Where mm -hmm. a lot of the times there's no boxes. It, it's not always there are boxes around mm -hmm. lettering at points, but other times there's just a line, and then you know just to connect it to Corey, so you show it's it's coming from her. But then the text yeah. is just in the negative space. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, so it makes her seem like larger than life. Which so she you know she goes off. The Titans go to deal with the with the bee collapse and whatnot. And she goes and sees these Tamaranians and they land and it's two sisters from a long, like lost moon colony of, of Tamaran. And they said that, you know, she's, she's the princess and that they've heard about her feats as a Titan and, you know, they want to come to her for help. And so she agrees, but she tells them, don't call me a princess. Uh, that's not who I am anymore. Were you getting a uh, real vibes of um, Leia in the sequel trilogy? A, a, a bit, right? Yeah. Uh, up until there's there's a there's a turn that she makes that I really there is. Enjoy. But for like a lot of this book, it was yeah. very much a whole uh, Leia wanted to be called General, not right. Princess. Yes, and so uh, she starts talking to the sisters, and she starts to pick up on vibes there that like one of them, you know, is this you know typical what you think of a Tamaranian, bubbly, fun, spunky, and there's a, a bit of a darkness to the other one, and she starts to pick up on their dynamics. Is that you know one of them feels like they have to protect the other. And she starts to think of her and her sister, you know, yeah. um, Commander or, or Blackfire. And they get to talking and she starts to be like, well, you know, I got to I got to prep them because I, I can't have one turn on the other. Um, and they get into her origin about the Scions taking them and giving her and her sister these superpowers. And that's originally why they wanted her help is like she has become, you know, bigger than Tamaran itself and that. Um, they, they get to the planet because they, they have these mines that were left, uh, during a war, but instead of like just exploding, they belong to like this tentacle creature and they just yeah. sprout up and they've been wrecking, just stealing chaos. the food, like the animals, the yeah, animals like, like, in this, in this instance, there's a, there's a goat, goat. A little space yeah. goat. Which also reminded me of, did Tim write this? Cause there's a lot of affection for this goat. There is. Yeah. And 
so uh, Starfire gets there and she, you know, she handles it and she figures out how this, uh, how this creature is doing this with the mines and, you know, puts it at, at bay for a minute. And that's where she gets talking to the sisters and the other people in town. And, you know, she realizes that this is what's left of Tamarin, right? This is the colony. It didn't go up with the rest of the planet. And, um, you know, they, they have a temple to X-Hall, which is, you know, one of their goddesses. And they start comparing Corey to X-Hall, and she gets really been out of shape. And yeah. she's like, yeah, look, we're very similar in that we were abducted by the Scions and given power, but I'm no god. I'm just a person, right? Uh, and she starts to see that the sisters do care for each other. There's no rivalry. They're they're helping each other repair this temple to X-Hall. They're helping each other through the farm. And she realizes, like, oh, no, Tamar, these Tamaranians are in, in a better place, Right. Yeah, and there's a there's an elder in the community who mm -hmm. keeps calling her princess, and and right. he doesn't understand why she's getting so offended. But I like, well, right. that's kind of what you are. Like that that's a that's a well, good, he he sees it as a good thing. It's a good thing, and then they bring up to her like, well, yeah, but a princess is someone that like uses her power to help others and be strong for the sake of their community. And then he goes, that's also very similar to what you would call a hero. So are you not a hero either? And that really makes Corey question like her own like am i a princess am i a hero like are they interchangeable uh and as she's grasping with this this big tentacle monster attacks the town and she has to snap into you know hero mode and all the people in this town are seeing her take out this tentacle monster and she's hitting them with her star bolts and you know she's flying around and the art is just is great oh, like, it's so uh, there's, there's a sequence the first time where she's using mm -hmm. the goat as bait mm-hmm and all like they're expect you're expecting like one tentacle, so one mm -hmm. pops up and she destroys it. And there's a panel where like five or six of them pop up at once, and you assume that it's going to be a oh no moment, mm -hmm. and instead it cuts this panel it's just pure negative space, and all you see is her mouth and just this mm -hmm. smile, and, and then this sequence like, taking them all, and it's great. Yeah, and and right, so she ends up leaving there being okay with being called princess, right? Like she, she helps comes to them. the conclusion that all heroes are princesses, including right. Gar. Including Gar, right? So she, as she's flying back, she's getting a, dis a distress call from Donna, which I feel like they're they're really in this, you know, newer version of the Titans is that Donna and Starfire are, are super super close, which I knew they were close back yeah. in the day, but they're playing them up like they are Wally and Dick, like they're you know the the best friends on the team, um, and that Donna's calling out that they they need her backup. Because it wasn't just a bee colony collapse, it's Queen Bee. And it's, you know, this this alien version of her. And they need Corey's help because she is, the, you know, she's the powerhouse on the team. Uh, because Queen Bee's, you know, made a bunch of drones out of the people in this town. Uh, and they're, they're, you know, they're kind of, what are they, hold up, you know, behind barriers so they don't hurt any of these people. Uh, yeah, they're like makeshift like, all the cars to like hold them in. right. And as, so yeah. Also, Donna thinks that that Oracle can't hear <laughs> this transmission, and they get talking about her relationship with Barbara. If it's still as weird as it seems, and you know, Donna was like, "Oh, she could she could hear this." Barbara, you're very good at your job, you know. So there's so there's a bit of tension breaking there, but you know, Corey comes through, saves the day, you know, realizes how to beat Queen Bee, uh, and then they go back to Titan's Tower. Uh, and she realizes, like, she wants to get closer with Barbara. Like, there's no reason why they can't be close friends again. 
uh, because as as they're you know she's coming back in, Barbara starts playing the song that they were singing along to, and she's like, "Oh, Barbara does remember, you know that you know I'm I'm not this threat to her and Dick's relationship. You know we we can be friends." And it was really uh, smart the way this was done because obviously when we saw that panel flashback earlier, yeah. it showed us them singing the lyrics. Yeah. So what it does here is it just shows you the lyrics again, and it's like, oh, this is that song. Right. And uh, they they get back to Titan's Tower, and Corey talks about how hungry she is, right? Because all of the superheroing has built up such a hunger. And she goes and grabs Gar's lunch, because uh, in the beginning he had taken hers, and started chomping down. Yeah, which starts a food fight. Starts a food fight, but he also calls her princess, and she doesn't argue. It is. He's like, yeah, that's right. I am a princess. Yeah. Also, can we talk about how Cyborg has a Etrigan cornflakes? Yes, he has the Etrigan cornflakes cereal. You know, so it starts a uh, it starts a food fight, and then a little bit more ominously, Raven pops up. You know, talking about how you know are, you know are things back to normal within the Titans. You know, maybe not so much. So, uh, with a tease for the next issue, which is going to be about Raven. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I remember being not too excited by the writer for it, which okay. was frustrating, but, uh, you yeah. know. Yeah, I thought this was a really nice addition to Corey's lore, right? Where we don't get a lot, you know, Yeah, I really like the stuff anymore. at the end where, you know, she, she, her and Donna just go and fly off for a little mm-hmm. bit and have a little, you know. Yeah. It's just a one-on-one one on one conversation, yeah. So, but yeah, but, you know, her, her deciding to take that back as princess, like, yeah, she still can be a princess. doesn't mean if she's the princess of Tamarin, but... It is, it is what she does that defines her, you know, yeah. not not just the title. And no matter what she is, she's always just going to be Corey uh, and, and Starfire, the hero of, Tam- of Tamarin. But yeah, very, very fun issue, you know. And again, and, as a Starfire nerd, of course, I was going to read it. And then, like I say, the art is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And just a lot of little bits, just, you know, it's, it's nice seeing them hanging around at the tower again. Like, mm-hmm. Wally at the end, who's like, right, I'm off. And then he's just over his flash outfit. He's just putting on uh-huh. this really casual jacket. It's yep. just a weird image, but I was like, okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and a lot of the action sequences on the alien planet, right? It looks like these frontier homes, you yeah. know, in, you know, so it's this little bit of, of almost like not even Americana, but like small town ish that really gets, you know, parlayed into to why she does this, right? It, it reminds her of, of Tamarin of old, too. So it brings up these complex feelings. But yeah, a very, very good book, especially after reading Night Terror stuff. This was a beautiful port in a storm. Yeah. Uh, so it, It's uh, possible that my rating is slightly higher of it having come off yeah. after reading such a yeah. bunch of mediocre to bad books, and this was just so good in comparison. Yeah. But... And I don't think you've read anything by the Hills. I'm, I'm assuming they're related. You know, having the same last name, I don't know if... Well, I assume they're either related or married. Right. Um, but, I mean, they have... They really have a, a, a handle on the Titans characters. You know, the, the interpersonal stuff between them. And again, I always put Raven and Starfire together. But I don't know if that's just from the TV show, right? You know, and how they're... How opposites attract there is Raven's always, you know, the dark emo chick. And then Corey's the bright, bubbly... So you've you know, got that, yeah, that, that dynamic. Thing, yeah. But if I remember right, Donna and, and Starfire were, were both always, you know, they're, they're besties throughout. Because um, I believe they were both meant to be the, the maid of honors at each's wedding, if I remember my Titans lore's right. So seeing them back have some, you know, 
have something going on beyond Donna just being a, a you know, leftover Wonder Girl or with Tempest, right? Like, it's giving her something else to do. I like that. Yeah. I was just looking up to see what else they'd written. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, apparently, they are a married couple. Okay. Um, honestly, not a lot of comics work. They've written okay. uh, a few uh, young adult co- uh, you know, books in general. Okay. Uh, comics that they, they, you know, they had a story in the uh, Wonder Woman 750. Okay. And other than that, it's just a couple of little free comic book day stuff. Uh, a lot of it's Wonder Woman related by the look of it. Okay. Well, so, maybe that's why they get done it so well. Maybe they've an affection for, for so They did so. a great job of it, considering they haven't had a lot of comics experience. Yeah, it's pretty good. It doesn't show in this. Uh, you know, they, they clearly understand the, the medium. Right. A lot better than some other, you know, we, we've seen novelists or screenwriters mm-hmm. even, which is a lot closer, coming to yeah. write comics all the time, and it can feel kind of clunky. Yep. This did not at all. So yeah. they, uh, they really let the art do a lot of the storytelling. Like Connor was saying, those, those action sequences with the tentacle monster and on the alien planet, and even defeating Queen Bee, right? Yeah. Uh, so. so dynamic. Uh, yeah. Rodriguez turning in some of his best work yeah well i couldn't believe this was the same rodriguez just because it's so different from what i'm used to so but but yeah four, four marks for me so you're ready and by the look of it he colored it himself as well mm-hmm. which yeah it is essential to the look of this book in particular like the, this, yeah. this issue is obviously the 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 pencils are great there are a lot of really mm-hmm. clean lines really smooth mm-hmm. um pretty light on the shading but the the flat colors um, and the, just the but the vibrancy of them is what really sells it. Yep. Um, no, it's great. I give it like a nine. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm gonna. This is the one time where I don't have things rated uh, where I have stuff rated lower than Connor's. I'm gonna give eight point five, but um, uh, still enjoyable. Still very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Um. That leads on to the Vigil issue three Ram V rating with the Leet Kumar Sharma on the art. Uh and there was a credit for some finishes as well, uh, for a few pages. Uh but the you know, this book's been Sid Koshin for the finishes. There you go. Like half the issue, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is you know, been very good. Uh the it honestly, it's uh, it's interesting how each issue is kind of focused on a different character primarily, and this mm-hmm. kind of does the same thing again. Uh, this mostly is looking at our liaison character, but also mm-hmm. kind of our, our shapeshifter character, mm-hmm. in that the shapeshifter takes the form of of Mia throughout the issue, basically to investigate her and see if she's trustworthy. By mm-hmm. seeing if she ever talks to, about her work to her, you know, her mother, her friends, or potential dates. Uh, if it sounds like he goes on a date with a guy as yeah. as her, uh, where clearly she was not going to date this guy again because it sounds like the first one didn't go that well. Yeah. But he's he's doing this to fish for information, um, and you know, so it's it's kind of like uh, as this is going on because you know she keeps commenting in her kind of like narration whilst they're on this mission in the middle of the jungle, why is that guy not here? It's weird. Um, mm-hmm. But it's because he's been tasked with investigating her the entire time. Uh, which, you know, uh, him sneaking into her bedroom and putting his mask on her face to steal her So sightless. creepy. It's very yeah. creepy. Yeah. And then obviously the end result being like, yeah, we can probably trust her. But 
But here's some extra leverage as well, just in case. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's got a sick dad in a nursing home. We could probably threaten yeah. him if need be. So, yeah, the actual, you know, morality of this group is still kind of up in the air to exactly where it lands. Like, it's not shades of grey, because I would say it, it to me, it goes more towards dark. But, but yeah, it is still in question. I think know? it's... It's very clear they are not bound by typical morality in that mm-hmm. they will, you know, get stuff done. I think the only thing that remains to be seen is are they actually on the good side as right. as they claim to be? Yeah, I, I'm not sure I trust that part of it. Yeah. Right. Um, so the the main team though are are going to these ruins in the jungle, and it turns out there's this old man hooked up to machinery. And it's his dreams that are basically forming this like uh, temple that's there, which includes which includes some floating like parts and everything. And it's I, it, you know this, this happened to him a long time ago where they hooked him up to this machine, and they're here, and that's the kind of the technology they're here to destroy and get rid mm-hmm. of. So it's them fighting all these like sort of I don't know. Uh, they find out that they're people though, right? Like, cause cause ArcLight, or is it ArcLight, or is it the other? Or, no, it's Dodge. One of them knocks into one of them, and it knocks the mask off, and it looks like they're just regular people. Yeah. You know? I mean, I kind of just assumed there were people under there, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, the whole time. Uh, and we also get a little bit more on... Um, what was it? Was it was it Castle was his name? Uh, the, the, yeah. the, the smaller member of the team who has no empathy or sympathy and is very cold and logical. Uh, yeah, he's, he's like, you know, reason the person, right? Like... Uh, but the the thing that got me there was, was the note that he's on the vigil, so he's not on another team. Which that was that was very chilling, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, to to sort of just expand on that, uh, Mia says that she asked uh, the doctor why mm-hmm. you know he's even on this team, and his response is simply that so he wouldn't be on someone else's team. It's just to keep an eye on him more than anything. Yep. Yeah. You, you don't want him playing for the opposition, so no. he's here. Regardless yeah, of being and, a little scary and, and you know, cool. yeah, so so they get into this technology that the whatever group that's responsible had gotten the shaman and, and hooked him up into some, you know, uh, major wattage and you know, because he got into this trance-like state that he could bring dreams across the realms, right? And uh, so he's been dreaming for how many years? It's like it's decades. You know, and so it's it's that castle kid or guy is the one that they bring in to, you know, to, to put this guy out of his misery, which that was another chilling moment where he just takes the, you know, uh, what is it, whatever, it's a knife or something and, and does it where the guy's like, please, I want to just close my eyes. It's been forever. And I was like, damn, Ram V, trying to, oh, this yeah, is that... more nightmare fuel. But all than, the nightmare than... books, yeah. Yeah, I... yeah. Yeah, this guy, this guy is just begging for death. He's he's basically uh-huh. been forced to be. This is not something he chose to do or wanted to no. do. This is something he has been. He's been clockwork orange into this awful position, yeah. uh, where his eyes are just been sort of held open the entire time. And mm-hmm. yeah, that stuff's solid. I really liked uh, where the shapeshifter uh, Saya comes to speak to Mia because Mia mm-hmm. is like re- finishing her report. And then she goes to close her laptop, and she, the last thing she says is like, "Yeah, but Sai is the weird one who have not they've not even spoke to me. They've not said a single word to me." Right. And she closes the laptop, and he's sitting right there, and like 
basically just casually says oh, it's, nice, it's nice to work yeah. with you and I, I don't yeah. know if that's just saying that oh like over the last couple of days of like snooping on her life they've become like empathetical towards her yeah but bit. it's, it's I, I took it as more okay he's decided now that okay you know we, we can trust Nia so it's fine mm. she's going to be actually part of the team now so might as well actually you know introduce me. But up until this point it was I assume it was taking the approach of eh probably not going to last anyway what's the point yeah I do well, like- I also took it on that Saya is this this person that because the the nature of their powers being in pain and doing this they're just they're they're more of an empathetic person than some the other two field agents right mm. because they have to infiltrate people right yeah. like they're not out there being the blunt instrument so I I just feel like Waiting, but like we talk about we don't know what side they're on. The shades of gray. I feel like Sai is more on the side of the angels than some of maybe some of the other ones, just by nature. I, uh, the nature of the power. I, I that's did, how I took that interaction. I did like as they're sitting talking that they've got very very similar hair, which you know feeds into mm-hmm. like the, the idea that Saya mm-hmm. has altered their hair to match hers to go with the face, yeah. um, and it's not you know. Like I don't know, there was just something surreal about it. Like the, the sort mm-hmm. of thing where well, Mia noticed that their hair is very similar. I kind of like that. Um, yeah, the issue starts with Saya like waking up with two women. You didn't realize that it's them at yeah. first, and mm-hmm. then the face starts to melt, and the mask goes on to like fix it. And it's yep. like, oh, okay, okay, I know who we are. Now. <laughs> I just like the visual of it as well. It's kind of cool. Just, it's just yeah. really creepy. And then one of the women's like, "Why are you leaving? To stay with us?" And he's like, "No, no, no, no. I need to go right now." And it's because the time is up. Like the, the amount of time they can keep their face, like, yeah, in shape. before they have to form another yeah. one. Yeah, I also like how, how they just keep the mask in whatever bag that's closest, because that that adds a whole other, you know, like they always have to keep this mask on them. Yeah, right, because that's how they keep their form. So, yeah, but no, it's it's a very it's a very good issue, and we we get into too like they at the end there whatever technology they're looking for at Luther Corps. Right is being used somewhere close. Um, yeah, uh, to the point where uh, Lightless, who gives them their information, has mm-hmm. contacted them. When you normally they don't do that. Normally they have no right. contact rule, but here they've directly contacted them because normally yeah. it's like couriers and messages right. and all and we, sorts. We of... just see like a bit of like someone in a tank. Yep. Yeah. Like, so not yeah. creepy at yeah. all. This is this is definitely like I would say this is like Checkmate meets Doom Patrol very much. Where there are these weird yeah. characters. Yeah, it's not a bad way of describing it. A, a, like a bit of an edge, but there's also all of this espionage and black ops undercurrent to go with it that makes yeah. it unique. The, the cliffhanger to this issue feels more like we're getting into like just straight up plot next time, mm-hmm. and in the sense that we're, these past few issues have all felt a lot more like character focused. And maybe, maybe maybe it makes sense now to like go into a bit more of what the end game of the miniseries is. I have to. We're over halfway now. It has to start moving towards that. But you know, I, I I do think this this feels written to me like there's a hope of more in some capacity, whether it is uh, just a sequel miniseries or something else. It feels like there's enough setup going into these characters that it's not just for whatever the six issue series is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think with the sales seemingly what they are, I'm not banking on another mini. Mm. But with Ramvi being exclusive, I would not be surprised to see him show up elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe even in his uh, detective. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, because they've been popping up here and there, right? All right. I mean, yeah. who, who knows? Maybe he signed the exclusive contract because he's like, hey, give me give me X issues, more of this. And I mean, like, he, he wouldn't be the first creator to sign a contract that was that was part of the stipulations. He did mm-hmm. a little, little, little uh, sweeten the deal, you know? Here's the here's what we're going to pay you. Here's, you know, this, that. And also... I mean, uh, I mean even someone like Bendis had that with... Uh, well, I assume had that with his... Uh, his Jinx World stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. I'll I'll come exclusive for you. I'll write, you know, some of the the, the big heavy hitters. You know, where we'll get some sales and that. But in return, you let me do a couple of minis of this and that. I, I maybe I'm off base there and making that assumption, but it felt like that to me in terms of the agreement that they had. Yeah, no, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, but uh, I am very much enjoying it. Uh, really good issue. Uh, I, I think. I mean, admittedly, I think the first issue is still my favourite because the first issue was structurally so well done of setting up so many things and making it all mm-hmm. to like crescendoed. Like, it was such a masterclass of that. Um, but that's just, still, like, I think that craft is still here with the way these two stories are intertwining. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that contrast between size investigation uh, and you're kind of wondering, like, what's going on exactly. I think it becomes more clear as it's, you know, like, what exactly the purpose of this is of, yeah. like, pretending to be her. Um, but then and that plus the actual, you know, the action of getting to this, like, you know, person who's strapped up to the dream machine, uh, you know, is interesting. So, uh, but yeah, so, uh, Matt, what are you giving the vigil issue three? I'm going to give this a solid eight. Connor? Uh, I'm going to give it a seven. No, 7.5. Yeah, I'm going to give it the eight as well. I, I think the vigil's been a really, really solid book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, well that takes on to Connor doing a Patreon book every month on patreon.com slash mailfuzztv. Uh, you can go and click as loudly as Matt is right now, uh, <laughs> to sign up and make myself or Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers. And, uh, Connor's going to talk about Tim Drake, Robin issue nine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's still, uh, Fitzmartin writing and Sismejka uh, on art. Probably budget the, the pronunciation, but you know, yeah. the point is not Rosmo. Um, yeah, it's better, but I, I'm not the biggest fan. <laughs> still, it's still, uh, it's still trying to fit in with the style of Rosmo, not in being rounded or uh, odd shapes, but uh, just tonally, uh, trying to match that feeling. Um, this issue is better than the last one. Less, less confusing, a bit more straightforward, but not great. Um, there is some stuff I like uh, early on. We got this guy holding Kate captive. He's got like you know hand on her throat, holding her, saying that she's murdered all these kids or something or other. And it's a little bit of a Tim having detective mode. He's like, ah, oh, it has a. Like close-ups, it'll do like a circle around it and pull out and do a close-up image on on things like okay, like her eyes, uh, the gloves, the the sweat on his forehead, and like things like that. And, you know, all these little details of Tim being a detective. I like those elements because that's the side of Tim that I like. Then the story just isn't that interesting. They're, they're trying to find this out. Kate's obviously got she's got her memory still. Doesn't know what happened. Um, so they go to see Bernard because he, this is to do with the stuff that was in 
Whatever that original, wherever that original story was, uh, the Urban Legends. This is playing back to that. So I felt a little bit lost in that regard, having not read those. Definitely felt like I'm, I'm missing some context. Um, when I was just in his apartment with a, he's got a, you know a, a bag for boxing. He, he's beating it up. He hears them come in, so he grabs a baseball bat, and and he, he he's visiting this as as Robin, as Robin and Batwoman. And he doesn't know that Bernard has figured out that he is Robin. So it, it, it's this weird thing, the whole scene of him kind of being like, oh, I wish I was here as Tim. I wish I was comforting him and not just dragging these awful memories out of him as Robin instead. It led to some awkward dialogue where Bernard says, oh, the only thing came out of that time was, you know, what, there was only one good thing that came out of that time, my boyfriend, Tim Drake. Like, why are you sitting out, like, spelling out his whole name like that? To Robin, like, and, like it just felt so weird. Like, like why would you include uh, his name? Like, oh, Robin doesn't know your boyfriend, even if he does. Like, if he does know, is your boyfriend? What you know? What? Why do you need to say it like that? It was so weird. Correction, it's just Drake. I think you'll find. Oh, please don't <laughs> remind me. Tim's <laughs> oh. not had a good lately. Tim's not had a good in a uh, while. You know, he's, he's 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 the lost in the shuffle generation. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. sucks because he's so good. The the other Robins all have a purpose. Tim's kind of floating about. Yeah, yeah. I hope they find some for him soon. That's better than this book because I'm just not enjoying it. Mainly because it's not good, but I'm sure he'll break out that uh, UPS color scheme uniform any day now mm. i can't make this book much worse if he did <laughs> yeah uh obviously so batman gets a bit aggressive and starts like wanting to interrogate uh, or like get the answers that she needs tim's like no we are not doing that he's innocent he, okay maybe he knows more than, than he lets on but we're not getting out of him by beating him up um so she storms off to go find her own answers uh, Tim heads back to his boat. Finally, nine issues in, we're addressing the fact that he lives on a small boat in the docks that with no buildings around for him to hide on as Robin to enter. And yes, someone does see him enter as Robin. And one of the locals who also lives on a boat nearby, who knows that's Tim's boat and only Tim lives on that boat. Um, but they see, you know, Robin going through the roof and they go and knock on the door being like, um... I thought I heard something on your boat. Did you hear anything, Tim? And Tim's, he's gotten like his suit off and is in the middle of getting changed again. For some reason, he opens the door. Just, it, it, it's so weird. He opens his door in his boxes. And then like, when he opens it and there's someone there staring at him, he like tries to cover up and acts like, oh, oh, you caught me unaware. I'm like, you opened the door. You answered it. Like, shout one minute and go and get something. You know, he grabs a towel to wrap around himself. I'm like, why don't you just shout one minute before you open the door? Like, uh, it, it was weird. Anyway, uh, and the guy's like, he's like, oh, I heard, heard someone in your boat. And Tim's like, oh, I got a friend over. And the person sees the Tim, uh, the, the Robin outfit, and they're like, oh, no, like, oh, because does, does, does Bernard know about you and Robin? He's like, oh, no, it's not a thing. Don't worry. But, yeah, um, so Robin's like, okay, well, we'll go find answers. And he can't find Kate anywhere. He's like, oh, I looked at Renee's, looked at the bar. 
So I'm going to go to her home. She's not there, but other people are. Like, there's like a thing hiding like under the bed. It's like a guy. I don't even know how to describe it. He's dressed like he's got like a mask on. He's got like all these extra eyes drawn on. Um, it's trying to evoke an image of um, the guy with all the eyes from the Arkham mini. I'm completely blanking on the name, but you guys know? man, yeah, like it, the eyes all over. It it looks kind of like him. Is is what he's trying to evoke. But there's like a few of them there, and uh, like they're all just trying to, and then they you know try to get him, and they, they do. They grab him. They stop him from leaving, and they're swarming all over him. And that's that's the end of the issue. You know, to be continued. Presumably though, they were here for cake because it's her home, not him. That's just coincidence. Yeah, it's it's not great. Pacing on this book is kind of weird. So it has this just awkward, like, okay, we'll do this, and then we'll do that, and then we'll do this. There's no flow to it. It feels like a series of just disconnected sequences. There's no, uh, there is no connective tissue to these scenes. It doesn't feel like. It's just like, ah, I guess it's time to do that now. Um, voices are better in this issue, I would say. It doesn't really address all the stuff from the last issue, Um well, I mean, it does, but it waves it away. Um, like last issue ended with uh, Sparrow seemingly dead or dying, and Detective Williams at the at the scene just being like, you know, shouting for Robin to, "Hey, come help!" You know, this this kid's dying. And this issue just kind of has Tim going like, "Eh, I'm I'm sure Detective Williams has got it under control. I'm sure it'll be fine." It, it just says, oh, as for Sparrow, uh, Detective Williams is on the scene. He, he's He's got the needs of the many handled. And then, what about the needs of the few? Oh, well, he's got that handled. He's worrying about that. That was a Star Trek joke, Matt. I know you That's don't actually follow. the next panel, though. It, it just says, uh, which means I need to handle the needs of the few. It's the very oh, next caption box. Okay, see, that was, that was a Star Trek <laughs> reference then. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's from uh, the second one, right? Rathacon. Yeah, see, I knew Matt was a Star Trek nerd. Oh, how dare you, sir? But the thing is, it never actually goes back to Detective Williams. It never addresses if Sparrow's even alive. Like, like it just ignores it. It just pretends none of it's happened. Like, it's so weird. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure Detective Williams has got it under control. And then doesn't actually reference it again. Like, that was the big cliffhanger of the last issue. That and and Batwoman being grabbed by this guy. It was like it's so weird that it just ignores it all. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. But yeah, still not a good book. Roy sucks. Roy really does. Even even post Rosma, it's not a good book. Really hurts. It's a it's a solid four out of ten. Still hate one of the Night Terrors issues more than this. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that tells you all you need to know about Night Terrors. All right, well, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week. Matt, set up. You're, you're, you're like, you can't take Matt anywhere. He's such an embarrassment. Oh, are you my wife? <sighs> Thankfully, no. But, uh,. Yes, uh, so we're going to do our you know, favourite stuff of the week, panel slash moment, cover our top five books, usual stuff. Uh, Matt, what is your panel slash moment of the week? 
What if I said the destruction of Krypton? I would say you're a living parody. Yeah, I'm I'm a liar if I say that though, because I never want to say that again. Uh, it's from Starfire. It's the her and Barbara at the concert at Black Canary show. It was just gave gave me all the the good tingly, you know. This is fun. Comics are fun after night terrors. Being like, ugh, this is work. Connor, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to uh, the one good thing out of night terrors this week, which is that one page from Superman where he's he's smacked through different nightmares mm-hmm. and through the panels just just for just for the sheer artistry of it and the creative layout and the way it uses the actual comic medium to to make its point in a way that is you, you know unique to comics mm-hmm. there I, I do like that page a lot yeah i'll go with sire sneaking into the room to put the mask on mm-hmm. uh on the face i thought that you know it was creepy uh i don't have a lot to pick from this week i would say um mm-hmm. but that's what i'll go with uh cover of the week uh there is a few notable ones here. There's a McKelvey variant on World's Finest uh, that sticks out. Mm-hmm. Uh, very nice. There's multiple Matina variants, which are all very well done, but they're all kind of go into generic versions. Yeah, they're all very generic nightmare lots of spikes, lots of, you know. So I like how they look, but I also don't really like the designs of I, the things on them. I love Matina, but it's. His style is one that. AI replicates mm. quite not necessarily well, but commonly. It's, like what, you, it's, what, it's what it's, it's going what you, for. It's what you see a lot of them attempting, which makes me, through no fault of his own, because he's obviously had this style for a while, but it makes me want to look at some of the other ones instead. Because yeah. I'm like, ah, I'm sick of seeing this style right now. Uh, Hot Girls get an Otto Schmidt variant, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, is nice. nice and detailed. Uh, my pick, though, is just going to be the regular cover for the vigil. It's uh, you know, it's like a jigsaw puzzle piece falling apart. Uh, that, mm-hmm. I thought it was quite good. The reds and the blacks look really nice and striking. Mm-hmm. So that's my pick. Connor? Um, yeah, I think you've already pointed out all the, all the ones that I, I like. The, uh, the Schmidt, the McKelvey obviously but i'm gonna go with the um the anand rk variant for vigil i just realized that with you know the holding the mask with all the the missing persons and wanted posters in the background just think, you know, it's just a it's just a great uh great painted image matt um there's there's a couple starfire ones that, that i like uh there's also uh a christian ward superman but it does. There's a lot of white on there. Um, yeah, I saw that one. I wasn't that yeah. big a fan. Starfire has a nice R gem one though. Yeah, but it's going to be the the Javier Rodriguez Starfire. It does that stuff with that me and Connor were talking about with the negative space. You know, where she just seems to take up the full panel. So it looks really nice. Yeah. Uh, all right. Best start of the week then, Connor. And a shocking turn of events. It is not Dan Mora. Um, wow i know he, he's usually up there and he's still great but it's uh tales of the titans for the the staff uh, rodrigo is just pulling out some of his best work i've ever seen mm-hmm. matt uh mine mine is gonna be dan moore as much as i love the starfire art and and the you know the rainy art for superman uh dan moore just draws you know 
so many characters per page and they all look crisp and clean and, and it's got a lot of fun storytelling uh in the fights so yeah mine. yeah riley's really good on superman and i you know i i, I could have seen Faria taking it if it was like mm-hmm. all up to his standard that i know he can hit because i haven't seen his art in a while so the 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 light of seeing it again would have probably carried him. But it was kind of 50-50. You know, there were some great pages, but not all of it. So I think Dan Mora wins for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, all things considered. Uh, all right, top five books, Matt. Off you go. All right, then. So number one is going to be Tales of the Titans. Two is going to be The Vigil. Three is going to be World's Finest. Four is going to be Hot Girl. And, man, one of these has to be a Night Terrors. And I can't remember what my order was, so I'll just say Night Terror Superman. That was number five. All right, Connor? Yeah, my top three is the same. Tales of Titans, Vigil, World's Finest. Gaping Chasm after those three. <laughs> then, then, then I'm at Hawk Girl. And then what's the least offensive Night Terror's book this week? Oh, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Sure. Mm. Least offensive, but... All right, my number one is Vigil. Number two is Hot Girl. Number three is World's Finest. Oh, uh, <laughs> number four is, I guess, Wonder Woman, Night Terrors, and then number five is, I guess I'll go Superman, Night Terrors, but it's really kind of just a coin toss yeah. to be honest uh so yeah honestly one of the worst weeks for not, not counting like a week five where there's only two weird issues out this for a regular week this is one of the worst weeks quality wise for me of comics in probably years i i believe we've probably had a worst week on the show but not many yeah not many all, all i'm saying is my fears of Night Terrors feeling like Convergence. <sighs> yeah. I, I don't I think it feels like Convergence. I think that's... Quality-wise, it does. In fact, I enjoyed more of the Convergence minis than I have of any yeah, of these Yeah, but that's, that's different, though. It doesn't make it feel like Convergence. That's just... Quality. Quality's bad. The quality's bad. But I, I, I mean, in this, it's this two-month two event where it takes over a lot of the books. Obviously, Convergence is all of them, but this is a lot of the books. And it spits out all these random minis that just are like on this stupid spit up premise that that someone's just like gone hey you need to draft a book now uh there's a lot of, for me there's a lot of parallels and it, it unfortunately the quality is pretty similar as well mm. oh well that's uh that's the books i will tell you what's coming next week though from dc comics uh we have night terrors issue two we have batman mm-hmm. brave and the bold issue three which i'm actually really looking forward to that uh night terrors detective comics issue one is that still around v doing that it's not it, but it's, it's dan, dan waters, waters. Dan and federici on art <laughs> so the very least it'll look good uh yeah. that's yeah. a gordon issue by the sounds of it uh then we got night terrors titans issue one night terrors action comics issue one uh, we have Superman, The Last Days of Lex Luthor, issue one, which is the, the Mark Wade Black Label book, yep. which is a, a spiritual follow-up to Birthright, so that's a thing. Uh, Night yep. Terror's Harley Quinn, issue one. Batman Beyond Neo-Gothic, issue one. 
Night Terror's Angel Breaker issue one. Uh, place your bets if anyone on the show reads that. Uh, but, I, I place a bet that Matt will. Uh, he's not. I don't you're, think he is. You're here to lose some money, sir. Uh, yeah, you say that now. Batman Audio Adventures issue 7, Poison Ivy Uncovered issue 1, which is the bunch of covers, uh, DC Ruby issue 6. So that is what's coming out next week. Um, the Night Terrors, there's some with more potential, uh, but it's Batman Brave and the Bold for in the uh, the Black Label Superman mm-hmm. book. Those are the two that are more yep. sticking out as excitement for me. So, very cool, very cool. Uh, but hey, we're almost done with the first half of Night Terrors, so that's something. Uh, but by all means, sorry. So we're almost there. Yeah. Also, um, August is a five-week month, so th- there's actually an extra week of night terrors. Oh, piss! Go play in the road, Connor. Go and get hit by a car. Seriously. Honestly, that sounds preferable to reading six more weeks of night terrors. Stop bringing down the mood more than it what, already what if I is. Tell you that night terrors Angel Breaker has Raptor from Nightwing in it. <laughs> <sighs> This is how Matt reads it. <laughs> That's him convincing himself. All right. Let us know what you think of this week's comics, everyone. You can, of course, like, subscribe. All those usual things help us out a lot. But, of course, you can support us the most by going over to patreon.com slash TV and supporting us financially on a monthly basis to help keep the show coming. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Mm-hmm.